The Dave Ellswick Show podcast is sponsored by the Juris Law Group. We provide estate planning for all ages, and we specialize in helping seniors get VA and Medicaid benefits for in-home, assisted living, and nursing home care. For a no-risk consultation, call us at 501-400-8250 or find us on the web at juristlawgroup.com. That's J-U-R-I-S-T lawgroup.com. Wow, you talk about to the last moment getting the show ready today. I mean, the last 30 seconds, we finally pull it together. Uh, <laughs> it's been it's been tough today. Uh, we've been trying to get uh, one of our congressmen on today to talk about uh, this memo that's out there. That's We don't know what's in it, but uh, they're going to release it. We're hearing uh, rumors that the president's going to release it right after the State of the Union. We'll have to see if that happens. But uh, we've been trying to nail down French Hill, and you know that it's not easy. I mean, I they're busy, busy, busy. They're drawn, you know, being pulled a million different ways. And I've been talking to Carolyn, uh, his handler, and we finally were able to nail him down at two thir- for two thirty-five. So he'll be with us in about thirty minutes to talk about the State of the Union address and uh, talking about, uh, of course, the um, um, the memo as well. So you got to ask, okay, so we got that set up. And then uh, coming up at 3 o'clock, Reagan Baby, that's Megan Barth. Everybody loves her here. They probably don't realize her name is Megan Barth because everybody knows her as Reagan Baby on her, her blog. She'll join us. She's at Cap- on, on Capitol Hill today. And then Yali Nunez will join us at 335. He is with the Republican National Committee. He's the director of Hispanic Media. He will talk about the State of the Union and the president's immigration program. So uh, that's coming up uh, on the uh, Ellswick Show uh, as well. Elizabeth is here. RD's here. And Paul's here. The power panel is uh, convened and in the studio. Uh, This is the first day that uh, RD has sat down and can look around and he can see the cameras now. They're not on today yet. Oh, okay. All All right. right. They're not on yet. Uh, Russ is working with the people who are installing everything. And then Russ gets the enviable task. And I say that with my tongue firmly in my cheek. Uh, he gets to do the fun stuff of being kind of like the middleman between the corporation people at Salem and the people who are installing this stuff here and try to answer the questions that are being asked by the installers to the people at Salem. So he, you know, he, it's going to be fun. If I, if I see him suddenly light the uh, other studio on fire, I'll, I'll know that the, the pressure has gotten crazy. Over there. And I have spontaneously combusted. <laughs> so do we have a fire extinguisher? Here's, here? here's the key. Russ knows a lot about this stuff, but he's not an engineer. Okay. And he doesn't know all. I don't get the, paid enough the, to be an engineer. I going to say all the technical stuff. That, uh, you know, an engineer knows and just off top of their head, come could ask and they're going to be asking questions. He said, well, hold on. And he'll be on his cell phone and saying, did you hear that question? The guy asked. Okay. 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 All right, Kyle, here's what they said. And then he's got <laughs> to tell that Kyle. all the time you know? <laughs> at work. Is, you know, the, the husband in or- Texas spillers is in Washington state. Then you got other people around here. Yep. Yeah. Going to have, it's going to take about. It's about six people that he's going to be standing in the middle of their circle. Oh, <laughs> it, it should be a lot of fun Russ for him. Is the, 
Russell will be the project he's manager. He's, he's the project you know, manager on once. the job. Yeah. I was in the hot tub down there at the uh, Arlington in February, or maybe it was January, I can't remember, but it was cold. And I'd stand up, and the hair on the back of my head froze. Huh. Okay, so here's here's the key. I didn't want to hear that you were in the hot tub at the Arlington, okay? <laughs> too bad. There's too much I've heard from you. That was really TMI. I'm just, and at the back of your head, all the hair froze. You must have been a sight, man. Out of a DC comic, look like Mr. Freeze or something. Are they going to be watching the ratings real close to see if they fall off or anything? Probably. After we get everybody sees while we look at it. We probably just tanked after that. I'm talking about the cameras. I'm talking about the the cameras. cameras. Man, we're going to, everybody be tuning in to see you guys. But the bottom line is they just tanked. You can, hold on. You can come on back and listen to the show. Russ won't talk about being in the hot tub anymore. On the Dave Ellswick show. We have fun on this show. You know, if you can't have fun, there's no use in doing this. I'm just saying. You know, everybody takes life so, so seriously. And I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to say something right now that's going to blow a lot of you away. When you're on your deathbed, the last thing, the last thing you're thinking about is not going to be, did I just check the Drudge Report to see what the latest was that was going on about the memo? That's not going to be on your mind. I'm just telling you, that's not going to be the most important thing that you're thinking about. Keep that in, just keep that in mind. Or did Doyle Webb really just endorse Asa in the primary? That's not going to be on your mind. You're not even going to be thinking about that stuff. So anyway, don't take it so serious. It's serious, but it's some people live it. You can't just live it like that, where it destroy, where it just takes away your joy i know do you know people that that are into it so much rd that it just takes away their joy well you know it's easy to yeah i know people like that and you can get like that if you get to focus in all the things that's going on and you're thinking about the corruption and obamacare and the raising taxes and the cost of insurance hey you can let it all get you down if you want to you just have to remember it's not the most important thing we, absolutely it's not the most important thing in life my family's the most important thing to me. Yeah, I mean, right. I'm I, I'm thinking about, okay, so I just bought Mary Poppins, the Blu-ray edition, 50th anniversary, because I think that my soon-to-be one-year-old grandson, who likes bright colors and music, will get a big kick out of it. Will yeah. he understand it? Probably not. But will he have fun watching it? Probably so. Oh. And I'll have fun watching and it with him. you want to watch him? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of the humor on a, on a movie like that is actually for adults. It's, yeah. fun. it's fun. It's clean humor in many cases. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, well, it's, Mary Poppins it is. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean it's, it's and you got Dick Van Dyke and, it, and um, Julie Andrews. Yep. I, t- I and, tell you what uh, else is fun. What? I've gotten into watching old-fashioned cartoons. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, really. The politically incorrect on, ones? On, well, yeah, the politically incorrect <laughs> ones. <laughs> but but you're right. with, with intellectual humor. Yeah. Well, and yeah, a little bit of physical Slow humor and Rodriguez. a little bit of beating somebody over the head and the roadrunner running around and all that, and it pointed, makes you laugh. Where they pointed guns at each other. Yeah, and you they blow stuff something? up. And, you know, the Acme. Do you know what the number one cartoon 
was in Mexico back in about 2003. Speedy Gonzalez. That's exactly oh, right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, Speedy. My you know, when they were all taking their siestas and all of that, and they took it off the Cartoon Network because well, yeah. it was too racist. But it's the number one cartoon in Mexico. They laugh at it. They think it's hilarious. Yeah, Slowpoke carried a gun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just really, you know, it's I ran into the same too serious. I ran into the same thing when I was working on the railroad with uh Gillum Railroad Services. They all graduated from ASU in Jonesboro. And uh they had uh the Indian, the ASU engine running down oh, the railroad yeah. tracks. Oh yeah. Uh and uh for the railroad it's a Gillum's railroad service and it showed the ASU engine with his tomahawk running mm-hmm. down the railroad tracks. And Run uh, Joe. Yeah, running Joe. So anytime I got around any of the Indians from Arizona or New Mexico in the tie gangs, they would take every one of them I had. I'd have to carry crates of them out there of the hats because everybody, a lot of the people on the reservations work on the Union Pacific. Everybody wanted one. They loved them. And then you've got the people back in Arkansas trying to get rid of him, and they got rid of him when uh, the, the people it was representing thought it was great. I bet you all the sheep want wolves hats. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, just, I'm just saying, no. Nah, it, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just all ridiculous. in fun. The same way up in North Dakota when they had the fighting Sioux, you know, at the University of uh, North Dakota, and the Sioux up there finally put out a letter saying, "We feel honored that they're doing this." Sure, you know that they call them the fighting Sioux. So anyway, just just so everybody knows, we got up, we're right, we're checking, we're running after a. Uh, a rabbit. By the way, I, let me let me start off the show by playing a little bit about the memo. Uh, coming up uh, here at two thirty-five, we'll be hearing from uh, Congressman French Hill. But uh, Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House, had this to say about tonight's uh, State of the Union address. I think you're going to hear the kind of speech most presidents hope they can give, wish they could give, which is we're doing well. We have a lot of things we've accomplished in 2017. Unemployment is at a 17-year low. Economic confidence is at a 17-year high. We just overhauled the entire tax system for the first time in 31 years. We've got a great justice on the Supreme Court. So the president is going to be able to talk about a lot of great things that he got done. I agree with that. I, You know, the Democrats have been doing all kinds of stuff today trying to cause uh, subterfuge to take away from the president's State of the Union address tonight. You know, there's even talk that the Democrats have sold off stock in order to try to make the stock market go down <laughs> so he can't claim a, a roaring stock market uh, It's tonight. gone down some today. Yeah, but, yesterday. Uh, it will go back up. That's I'll tell you that saying. right now. Well, it's going to go back up. People, here's what happens with the stock market. They drive it up by buying stock. We all do this. And then it gets up to a certain point, and we all look at each other, and we go, hmm, I think I'm going to take and sell some of my stock now. I want to take some of the profits and they do and they take profits and there's nothing wrong with that. That's why you get in the stock market to make a profit. Oh, wait for all of you socialists out there. You shouldn't make a profit. I understand. And you who are millennials, uh, you're worried about making profit, but not me. And so, I like making a profit. These pro- people that have a problem with profit, I guess they don't actually accept a paycheck when they go to work, right? Or maybe they don't go to work. Maybe that's the problem. That may be a, a real. <laughs> maybe that's the that problem. That might be a real deal there. They may not be going but, to yeah, work. Yeah, there's, there's there's this thing where these people, that, that they seem to think there's a serious difference between people who accept a paycheck 
for working for hours versus those of us who accept a paycheck. If there's any money left over, they, they call one profit and the other is a paycheck. But the, at the end of the day, how are they any different? Except that some of us who are self-employed, we make $3 an hour because that's all that's left over. Yeah. Well, we'll be, we got to take a break. We get a break in. We'll have a few moments to speak and uh, see what you guys want. You're hoping to hear from the, uh, well, before we talk about the state of the union, I'm going to turn our attention uh, when we come back over to Elizabeth. And there was a big brouhaha over nothing, to be honest with you. Uh, but I wanted to deal with it. I, I passed on some information to her. She's going to paraphrase it and give it to you so that uh, you have the, the long and skinny. I want to thank Shane Stacks for uh, putting the, the material together for us, uh, getting a video and watching it and then uh, reporting on what exactly went down. That's all coming your way. And it has to do with, with Doyle Webb. And it has to do with Asa Hutchinson. And it has to do uh, with Jan Morgan and the whole uh, primary that's coming up in May. So uh, stick with us on that. We're going to talk about it. Safari Pets, don't forget about it. 808 West Main and Cabot, 501-628-0067. Safari-pet.com is their website. They opened up back in 2001, and in that short period of time, they have become the largest independent pet store in Arkansas. So whether you got a dog or a cat, you got freshwater fish, or you got exotics like saltwater fish or hedgehogs or ferrets or uh, bearded lizards or, you know, ball boa constrictors, they, they have everything you need to house them to keep them healthy, to feed them. They have everything you'll need for taking care of your pet or pets. Here's the other thing that they have, and they don't even charge for it. You walk in there, you talk to the people that are on the floor, and there'll be four or five people there. Uh, You got a question, they will get you an answer so that you have the information that you're looking for. That's Safari Pets, 808 West Main and Cabot. Talk to John, talk to Sarah, talk to Jason, talk to any of them that work at Safari Pets in Cabot. All right, we are sitting at uh, 24 after 2. we got about six minutes here before we get to uh, Todd Starnes. Coming up at 2.35, we'll talk to Congressman French Hill about the uh, State of the Union and the infamous memo uh, that is out there that maybe, just maybe all of us will get to see those four pages uh, later on today. But before we do that, a story that broke, I think it was over the weekend, in fact, was that uh, Doyle Webb had had circumvented all, you know, what he's supposed to do and had said Jan Morgan wouldn't win the primary, that Asa was going to beat her in the primary, yada, 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 yada. Not supposed to do that. And, you know, Jan Morgan was calling for his, for his withdrawal from being the, uh, the state chairman and all the rest. Well, Shane Stacks got a hold of me today, and uh, Shane has been an integral part of the Dave Ellswick show for years and years and years. He got a hold of the video, watched the video, and then he even verbatimly wrote down the part that uh, is uh, being con- show- being said that Doyle Webb said something that he did not say. So with all of that said, I turned all this information, because I didn't have time to sit down and do it all, and gave it to Elizabeth. And Elizabeth has uh, gleaned through it, and here's her report. <laughs> <laughs> it's Thank all you. yours. Thank you, Dave. Uh, 
Well, first of all, this happened at the Northeast Arkansas Political Animals Club on Friday, and there was a video. And the report was that Mr. Webb said, quote, Asa will handily defeat Jan Morgan in the primary. That was the headline, correct? That was the headline, and that was the lead. Okay. Big news, and it got a lot of attention. Kind of an editorialization of the actual word. As it turns out, that may be the case. (laughs) And according to Mr. Stacks, he has seen the video, and that's what I think was the definitive thing. It's really interesting. I personally don't see how the reporter came up with that statement from what we're seeing here. And what we have is there was a question that was asked, quote, how much damage can Jan Morgan do to Asa in the primary? And Doyle responded, quote, I don't think she will do any damage. I think we're a party that's open. I think now we have primaries and primaries are good. It activates the base and we'll come back together to vote for the nominee in any race. And then all of a sudden an article comes out that says, Doyle says Jan will handily, I mean, Asa will handily beat Jan in the primary. So, and that's literally saying that's the quote from Doyle Webb. Saying it was a direct quote. Which is, which is just simply a false statement. Apparently. Just simply a false statement. Right. Now, now I think it's very interesting. Yeah, and, and it, the way the question was asked, it's, it's almost like trying to bait him into saying, well, you think Jan Morgan's kind of just a, a little small fry that nobody will take, that nobody will take seriously. And his, his answer is, uh, frankly, I think it is almost like he is that kind of, kind of saying, you know, she won't hurt Ace at all. Which is essentially what what he said. I mean, but when the, you quote somebody, and Dave accurate. and I have talked about this a million times, coming from reporting reporter right. training, journalism training. First of all, when you put quotes around something, people assume that is the exact words that were said, and it better be. And that was exactly what was reported. Right. I think this is a case of the reporter maybe writing what they wanted to hear, kind of like DC style news reporting coming to Arkansas. Well, well the thing is, though, it's 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 not legal. To defame people, it, it is not legal well, to, to lie about their character and, and whatever else. I mean, on some level, I mean, you know, if, if he had stated that, well, as I understood Doyle Webb, he actually thinks that that um, Asa Hutchinson is going to wipe the floor with Jan Morgan. If he had said that, that's that's he's stating his own personal opinion. But in this case, when you actually put quotes around something, you're stating something as fact. Well, and you have to know that Mr. Webb well understands his position and knows that he really cannot say in a primary situation in public at the Northeast Arkansas Political Animals Club, hey, Ace is going to win, right? So well, well, he, he, I think the, whether or not he gives his opinion about the, the odds is, is maybe a little different than giving his opinion about, well, Ace is a good candidate versus Jan Morgan's a lousy and candidate. And he didn't say that. And he didn't all say he, that. All he said is that primaries are good for the party. And I don't think she'll do any damage. I that's think right. that's a, a very different thing than saying X, you know, somebody's going to win versus mm-hmm. the other person's not going to do much damage. It's a very different statement. It, it, no. what, Shane what, makes the point. He says the question that was asked was, Jan, does Jan have a chance to hurt Asa politically? So he says the question was about them specifically. And, of course, Doyle, Doyle didn't answered answer specifically. He generically answered about the party. About the party. And that's the real fine point. And I, I feel like that if you're a political reporter, 
Number one, if you're a reporter, you should know the difference. But if you're a political reporter, you better know the difference. All right. We'll talk about this some more. It's important that we talk about it some more. We'll get to it and we'll get to what Roby Brock had to say about his own magazine. That's all coming your way. But first, Todd Starnes. Back with you, Dave Ellswick Show, 235, and on the phone from Washington, D.C., Congressman French Hill from District 2 joins us here now on the Dave Ellswick Show. we got the power panel here. Uh, Congressman Elizabeth and R.D. and Paul are all here. I hear that um, there is palatable excitement, that it's crackling all around the Capitol. <laughs> is that true? It is crackling with excitement. It's State of the Union Day. It's about a 25-mile-an-hour wind up here and 20 degrees. So people are crackling. They're standing around (laughs) crackling, ready for some heat. Yeah, you guys are trying to stay warm, huh? Yeah, but uh, no, it's uh, it's exciting to think it's State of the Union uh, Day, and we get to reflect back on uh, the past year where we saw the economy take uh, front page away from all the distractions of the past 10 years and bad ideas floating around where we've right-sized regulation, reduced regulatory costs, and we've uh, reformed the tax system for the first time in three decades to encourage work and reward work and get this economy growing faster. So I hope uh, the president recognizes what a great opportunity it is to reflect on those accomplishments. All right. So I want to play a little audio for you, Congressman. I want you to hear it. This is from Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House. And here's what he had to say about the State of the Union tonight. I think you're going to hear the kind of speech most presidents hope they can give, wish they could give, which is we're doing well. We have a lot of things we've accomplished in 2017. Unemployment is at a 17-year low. Economic confidence is at a 17-year high. We just overhauled the entire tax system for the first time in 31 years. We've got a great justice on the Supreme Court. So the president is going to be able to talk about a lot of great things that he got done. Really good stuff the president has to work with tonight. Would you agree? I mean, you kind of paraphrased that in what you said as we started our interview here. I agree, and I think the economy is the number one story. But I would argue that uh, President Trump has had a good year on foreign policy. Yes. He's proposed a, uh, uh, the kind of redirection and reformation for our defense forces that uh, we've wanted for years. He's gotten the first pay raise uh, agreed to in eight years for the men and women in uniform. When uh, Assad used chemical weapons in the Trump administration, uh, we took out his uh, air capability of doing that and some of the uh, armaments related to it. That didn't happen during the uh, Obama administration, and it set uh, Syria on a course for total collapse. Uh, He went to the Mideast this year and met with not only Saudi Arabia and Egypt and Israel uh, and the Pope, from a leadership point of view, the three big, important religions of the world, but he also set a standard by inviting all Uh, Muslim leaders, both uh, cleric and governmental, to Saudi Arabia to talk about we have to end radical Islamic terrorism, and no president has done that before. So I think he had a good good year on foreign policy, and we have the first sanctions regime with the United Nations and Europe and the U.S. (laughs) against North Korea in in two decades. Yeah, it's been a really amazing run, I believe, for the president here this first year, especially— when you look at 
regulatory reform that he's done himself. When you look at the man that he put on the Supreme Court, I think all of those things work together. It's been a fantastic year, and it's it's been a good year. I mean, my 401k looking pretty bright, to be honest with you, Congressman. Yeah, we've had uh, the market reflect the uh, change in policy and direction of the regulatory system, the Federal Reserve monetary policy, and, uh, in my view, uh, the real structural benefits of this tax reform. And it reflects it. And um, I think citizens all across the country have seen that benefited in their retirement assets. Hey, Congressman Hill, this is R.D. Hopper. Thanks for being on the show today. Uh, you bet, R.D. Hey, I'd like to thank you for your voting record as far as going with the president. You know, I believe that we are a freer country now than we were a year ago. If you look at it, we were rewarding bad behavior and sending Iran money uh, and bribing them to do what we wanted to. And I can see where you voted for sanctions for both Iran Iran, and, and Korea for, for their bad behavior. And uh, as far as my industry, before when Obama was in there, we were always fighting water acts where they were trying to take control of more waterways. And uh, since he's been in there, we've had more freedom. You've voted to loosen up some of the regulations for doing business is and uh i appreciate your voting record and and working to try to make this country a freer place again well i already appreciate that i mean when i first started campaigning to uh attempt to represent central arkansas in congress back at the end of 2013 and, and early 2014 one of the things i centered uh my campaign on, having worked for 30-plus years in the private sector, was right-sizing the regulations, having a cost-benefit analysis of the regulations across industry, water, uh, banking, health, because the layers and layers have created what I called back then a wet blanket on our economy. And so I was so pleased to see Mick Mulvaney, who is the OMB director for President Trump, and Naomi Rao, who is the Director of Regulatory Affairs at OMB, they've worked with the president and taken uh, this effort seriously all during 2017. And you have billions of dollars of annualized regulatory savings. And I argue we still have our, our goals, clean air, clean water, safe financial services companies, clean and safe hospitals. This isn't about a destructive deregulation. This is about right-sizing regulations so we can create jobs and have faster economic growth, but still at the same time protect consumers. Of course, I just suggest it's just been overdone for the last uh, 10 to 12 years, and it's, we've borne a major economic cost for it. Well, we felt it in the auto recycling industry for sure, and the loosening of the rope a little bit in Washington is is helping even even here in Arkansas in the auto recycling industry. We uh, we are very proud of what we're able to do for the environment, but we have to be able to stay in business in the same time to be profitable and be able to continue to do it. Right. So let me ask, uh, Congressman, I mean, we all know about the State of the Union. We're all excited about it. I think the president's going to hit it out of the park tonight, to be honest with you. But what about this memo? Have you had a chance to see it? 
Yes, I uh, read uh, the House Intelligence Committee memo that outlined their findings in their investigation uh, at the FBI and the Department of Justice in handling uh, part of uh, Mrs. Clinton's email issue and the so-called fusion GPS uh, matter as it related to the uh, Trump campaign. And those two things, of course, are fused together uh, by the actions of the Democratic Party and the Clinton campaign. And after I read it, I felt like it was balanced and that the citizens needed to be able to have access to read it. Uh, It's not something that would be hard to read or to study uh, in any way. It's pretty straightforward. And so I was pleased last night that the Intelligence Committee in the House voted to declassify it. It's now gone to the President of the United States, who has up to five days to review the memo, five legislative days to review the memo and determine if it can be declassified or or changed uh, in some manner. So um, I I just think people will be benefited by seeing the, the facts in the matter. So a real quick question. I know that the Democrats give the uh, response to the State of the Union after the president is done. Do you think anybody be watching that or will they be uh, reading the memo? Uh, well, they may be reading the memo or they may be reviewing their 401k statement. That's true. Uh, I, I think I think I would say the Democrat members of the committee have also drafted a memo. Uh, they uh, have asked the committee to let members read. That was effective this morning. Uh, last week, they said there shouldn't be any memos. People shouldn't write memos. They shouldn't declassify memos. This is not good procedure. I came to work this morning, and now the Democratic members of the House Intelligence say they've written a memo and that uh, they propose that members of Congress read this memo. And Can we so that one public I too? haven't done it today. I've had other things to do, but I will try to, uh, in the next few days, read uh, their memo and, and see what it addresses. Uh, So, you know, this is one of those things where, in in some ways, I have to tell you, to be honest, Dave, I don't think any of this should be subject of the two political parties going back and forth, to be blunt. I mean, I think this kind of material should be um, kept sub rosa, but when you uh, allow it to get out into the general, uh, I guess, uh, conversation in the country, then I think people ought to look at the true facts and not what somebody says are the facts. And that's why I support letting people review the memorandum. Right. Congressman, this is Paul Calvert. Um, hey, Paul. I was listening to, um, oh, what's the attorney's name, the law school professor that was on, on the air with Robert you Steinbach. Robert Steinbach yesterday afternoon. And, and, yeah. and he's one of his big issues is, is government transparency. And it, and I'm I'm on board with that idea. I, I think it's awesome when we can have the basically the most transparency as possible. Is, is yeah. there some some way that we can streamline the process of declassifying a lot of this top secret stuff that really shouldn't be top secret and it just ends up being sort of cover up for stupid government behavior sometimes? Yeah, good good question. So two comments. One, uh, the reason work product does get classified in working in the intel committees obviously, is to protect the uh, sources and methods of the gathering uh, exercise. Sometimes it's actually not the conclusions 
or um, the analysis, but in fact, how did this information become in U.S. Uh, hands? So that's why things are carefully, uh, supposedly, and should be carefully considered when they're classified. And then that's why there's a formal process to declassify. This issue of what we're talking about in the Intel committees takes, uh, if statutorily, about 19 days to, if somebody took all the time necessary to declassify something. And so the process, uh, that clock has started. I think it'll be finished in far less than that time. So there is a open and transparent process about how to uh, disclose an item and declassify it, and Congress has uh, that authority. The other thing I would say to listeners is let's be reminded why we have a House and Senate Intelligence Committee. This is because of some of the abuses in the past by our intelligence operation, uh, both domestically and internationally. And so this is the uh, People's House and the U.S. Senate's responsibility to do oversight of the executive branch. And that's how this investigation started. Americans wanted to know what happened during the 2016 election in either party. Uh, and obviously, all roads kept leading back to the FBI because of the Comey work on the on the Clinton emails. And so that's how we got here. And that's why both the Senate and the House are involved in reviewing that process. Con- uh, Congressman, we've got one last question for you. Elizabeth has it, and I'm going to let her ask you. There's a lot of talk that we, the people, would not understand the memo without the supporting documentation. You've seen the memo. What would you say? I would say, uh, Elizabeth, it's actually pretty straightforward. I figured. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. I, um, I don't. I'm not against that uh, if it were necessary. But I think uh, when and if it's uh, declassified and you read it, I found it to be plain English and uh, pretty pretty straightforward. So uh, I, I do think occasionally there are circumstances where absolutely any kind of a summary needs to have some supporting material. But in this instance, I think I think people will find it pretty straightforward. Releasing the Democrat memo? Uh, the Democrat memo, uh, I want to read it, and I think that's where most members are. We just learned about it this morning, uh, but I think it should be read. I think it should be looked at in the same light. Uh, what's in it? How is it written? Is it clear and concise? Uh, and does it deserve to uh, uh, be uh, declassified or sent to the president for a proposal to be declassified? So I think the committee, in fact, I know the committee, will perform exactly the same rules and analysis as was used on this uh, brief four-page memo by the, uh, by the majority. Well, Congressman, our time is up with you. I want to thank you for giving us the time today to talk about all of uh, all of this. And uh, as Carolyn found you a proper seat there in in the in the, uh, the the well of the House, so that whenever, like for instance, the Supreme Court justices are on, we'll see you. Well, I don't want to sit too next to them. Sometimes they'll slump <laughs> over and fall asleep in your lap. You're better off. You're, you're, you're better off being a little ways back. But uh, I look forward to being in the chamber tonight and listening uh, to the speech, and I really thank you for the opportunity to visit. Sure thing, Congressman. Thanks so much. We appreciate you, Congressman French Hill, and uh, uh, I'll be watching to just see if I catch a glimpse of him and Bruce Westerman and Cotton and Bozeman all sitting down there, Crawford, Womack. They'll all be there to hear what the president has to say. Our coverage starts at 7 o'clock. They got an hour pre and then the speech at eight. Then they'll uh, take it from there until 10 o'clock. 
uh, here on 96.5 FM, The Answer. Don't forget about uh, everything that you know about claiming your Social Security benefits. Benefits have been turned upside down. The government's good about that. If you want the new rules that uh, how you should go about claiming your benefits without losing tens of thousands of dollars in uh, lifetime benefits that you're losing uh, that are rightfully yours, then what you need to do is get the facts in the updated 2018 Guide to Social Security from David Lucas of the David Lucas Show. That happens here on Saturdays uh, at 10 a.m. and again at 3 p.m. It's a simple, easy-to-read guide packed full of up-to-date information for 2018 that can help you avoid losing lots and lots of money. To get your free 2018 guide to Social Security, be one of the first 10 callers right now, 501-653-6690. That's 501-653-6690. Back with you, Dave Ellswick Show, 235, and on the phone from Washington, D.C., Congressman French Hill from District 2 joins us here now on the Dave Ellswick Show. we got the power panel here. Uh, Congressman Elizabeth and R.D. and Paul are all here. I hear that um, there is palatable excitement, that it's crackling all around the Capitol. <laughs> is that true? It is crackling with excitement. It's State of the Union Day. It's about a 25-mile-an-hour wind up here and 20 degrees. So Woo! people are crackling. They're standing around, <laughs> crackling, ready for some heat. Yeah, you guys are trying to stay warm, huh? Yeah, but uh, no, it's uh, it's exciting to think it's State of the Union uh, Day, and we get to reflect back on uh, the past year where we saw the economy take uh, front page away from all the distractions of the past 10 years and bad ideas floating around where we've right-sized regulation, reduced regulatory costs, and we've uh, reformed the tax system for the first time in three decades to encourage work and reward work and get this economy growing faster. So I hope uh, the president recognizes what a great opportunity it is to reflect on those accomplishments. All right. So I want to play a little audio for you, Congressman. I want you to hear it. This is from Paul Ryan, the Speaker of the House. And Here's what he had to say about the State of the Union tonight. I think you're going to hear the kind of speech most presidents hope they can give, wish they could give, which is, we're doing well. We have a lot of things we've accomplished in 2017. Unemployment is at a 17-year low. Economic confidence is at a 17-year high. We just overhauled the entire tax system for the first time in 31 years. We've got a great justice on the Supreme Court. So the president is going to be able to talk about a lot of great things that he got done. Really good stuff the president has to work with tonight. Would you agree? I mean, you kind of paraphrased that in what you said as we started our interview here. I agree, and I think the economy is the number one story. But I would argue that uh, President Trump has had a good year on foreign policy. Yes. He's proposed a, uh, uh, the kind of redirection and reformation for our defense forces that uh, we've wanted for years. He's gotten the first pay raise uh, agreed to in eight years for the men and women in uniform. When uh, Assad used chemical weapons in the Trump administration, uh, we took out his uh, air capability of doing that and some of the uh, armaments related to it. That didn't happen during the uh, Obama administration, and it set uh, Syria on a course for total collapse. Uh, he went to the Mideast this year and met with not only Saudi Arabia and Egypt and Israel, uh, 
uh, and the Pope, from a leadership point of view, the three big, important religions of the world. But he also set a standard by inviting all uh, Muslim leaders, both uh, cleric and governmental, to Saudi Arabia to talk about we have to end radical Islamic terrorism, and no president has done that before. So I think he had a good a good year on foreign policy, and we have the first sanctions regime with the United Nations and Europe and the U.S. against North Korea in two decades. Yeah, it, it's been a really amazing run, I believe, for the president here this first year, especially when you look at regulatory reform that he's done himself, when you look at the man that he put on the Supreme Court, I think all of those things work together. It's been a fantastic year, and it, it's been a good year. I mean, my 401K looking pretty bright, to be honest with you, Congressman. Yeah, we've had uh, the market reflect the uh, change in policy and direction of the regulatory system, the Federal Reserve monetary policy, and, uh, in my view, uh, the real structural benefits of this tax reform, and it reflects it. And um, I think citizens all across the country have seen that benefit in their retirement assets. Hey, Congressman Hill, this is R.D. Hopper. Thanks for being on the show today. Um, you bet, R.D. Hey, I'd like to thank you for your voting record as far as going with the president. You know, I believe that we are a freer country now than we were a year ago. If you look at it, we were rewarding bad behavior and sending Iran money uh, and bribing them to do what we wanted to. And I can see where you voted for sanctions for both Iran Iran and, and Korea for, for their bad behavior. And uh, as far as my industry, before when Obama was in there, we were always fighting water acts where they were trying to take control of more waterways. And uh, since he's been in there, we've had more freedom. You've voted to loosen up some of the regulations for doing business and uh, I appreciate your voting record and, and working to try to make this country a freer place again. Well, I already, I appreciate that. I mean, when I first started campaigning to uh, attempt to represent central Arkansas in Congress back at the end of 2013 and, and early 2014, one of the things I centered uh, my campaign on, having worked for 30-plus years in the private sector, was right-sizing the regulations, having a cost-benefit analysis of the regulations across industry, water, uh, banking, health, because the layers and layers have created what I called back then a wet blanket on our economy. And so I was so pleased to see Mick Mulvaney, who is the OMB director for President Trump, and Naomi Rao, who is the director of regulatory affairs at OMB, they've worked with the president and taken uh, this effort seriously all during 2017. And you have billions of dollars of annualized regulatory savings. And I argue we still have our, our goals, clean air, clean water, safe financial services companies, clean and safe hospitals. This isn't about uh, destructive deregulation. This is about right-sizing regulations so we can create jobs and have faster economic growth, but still at the same time protect consumers. Of course, I just suggest it's just been overdone for the last uh, 
10 to 12 years, and it, we've borne a major economic cost for it. Well, we felt it in the auto recycling industry for sure, and the loosening of the rope a little bit in Washington is is helping even even here in Arkansas in the auto recycling industry. We, uh, we are very proud of what we're able to do for the environment, but we have to be able to stay in business in the same time to be profitable and be able to continue to do it. Right. So let me ask, uh, Congressman, I mean, we all know about the State of the Union. We're all excited about it. I think the president's going to hit it out of the park tonight, to be honest with you. But what about this memo? Have you had a chance to see it? Yes, I uh, read uh, the House Intelligence Committee memo that outlined their findings in their investigation uh, at the FBI and the Department of Justice in handling uh, part of uh, Mrs. Clinton's email issue and the so-called Fusion GPS uh, matter as it related to the uh, Trump campaign. And those two things, of course, are fused together uh, by the actions of the Democratic Party and the Clinton campaign. And after I read it, I felt like it was balanced and that the citizens needed to be able to have access to read it. Uh, It's not something that would be hard to read or to study Uh, in any way. It's pretty straightforward. And so I was pleased last night that the Intelligence Committee in the House voted to declassify it. It's now gone to the President of the United States, who has up to five days to review the memo, five legislative days to review the memo and determine if it can be declassified or or changed uh, in some manner. So um, I I just think people will be benefited by seeing the, the facts in the matter. So a real quick question. I know that the Democrats give the uh, response to the State of the Union after the president is done. Do you think anybody be watching that or will they be uh, reading the memo? Uh, well, they may be reading the memo or they may be reviewing their 401k statement. That's true. Uh, I, I think I think I would say the Democrat members of the committee have also drafted a memo. Uh, they uh, have asked the committee to let members read. That was effective this morning. Uh, last week, they said there shouldn't be any memos. People shouldn't write memos. They shouldn't declassify memos. This is not good procedure. I came to work this morning, and now the Democratic members of the House Intelligence say they've written a memo and mm-hmm. that uh, they propose that members of Congress read this memo. And Can we so that one public I too? haven't done it today. I've had other things to do, but I will try to, uh, in the next few days, read uh, their memo and, and see what it addresses. Uh, So, you know, this is one of those things where, in in some ways, I have to tell you, to be honest, Dave, I don't think any of this should be subject of the two political parties going back and forth, to be blunt. I mean, I think this kind of material should be um, kept sub rosa, but when you uh, allow it to get out into the general, uh, I guess, uh, conversation in the country, then I think people ought to look at the true facts and not what somebody says are the facts. And that's why I support letting people review the memorandum. Right. Congressman, this is Paul Calvert. Um, hey, Paul. Uh, I was listening to um, 
oh, what's the attorney's name, the law school professor that was on, on the air with Robert you yesterday. Steinbach. Robert Steinbach yesterday afternoon. And, and, yeah. and he's one of his big issues is, is government transparency. It, and it, it, and I, I'm on board with that idea. I, I think it's awesome when we can have the basically the most transparency as possible. Is, is yeah. there some, some way that we can streamline the process of declassifying a lot of this top secret stuff that really shouldn't be top secret and just ends up being sort of cover up for stupid government behavior sometimes? Yeah, good, good question. So two comments. One, uh, the reason work product does get classified in working in the intel committees obviously is to protect the uh, sources and methods of the gathering uh, exercise. Sometimes it's actually not the conclusions or um, the analysis, but in fact, how did this information become in U.S. Uh, hands? So that's why things are carefully, uh, supposedly, and should be carefully considered when they're classified. And then that's why there's a formal process to declassify. This issue of what we're talking about in the Intel committees takes, uh, if statutorily, about 19 days to, if somebody took all the time necessary to declassify something. And so the process, uh, that clock has started. I think it'll be finished in far less than that time. So there is a open and transparent process about how to uh, disclose an item and declassify it, and Congress has uh, that authority. The other thing I would say to listeners is let's be reminded why we have a House and Senate Intelligence Committee. This is because of some of the abuses in the past uh, by our intelligence operation, uh, both domestically and internationally. And so this is the uh, People's House and the U.S. Senate's responsibility to do oversight of the executive branch. And that's how this investigation started. Americans wanted to know what happened during the 2016 election in either party. Uh, and obviously all roads kept leading back to the FBI because of the Comey work on the on the Clinton emails. And so that's how we got here. And that's why both the Senate and the House are involved in reviewing that process. Con uh, Congressman, we've got one last question for you. Elizabeth has it, and I'm going to let her ask you. There's a lot of talk sure. that we, the people, would not understand the memo without the supporting documentation. You've seen the memo. What would you say? I would say, uh, Elizabeth, it's actually pretty straightforward. I figure. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I, um, I don't. I'm not against that uh, if it were necessary, but I think uh, when and if it's uh, declassified and you read it, I found it to be plain English and uh, pretty pretty straightforward. So uh, I, I do think occasionally there are circumstances where absolutely any kind of a summary needs to have some supporting material. But in this instance, I think I think people will find it pretty straightforward. Releasing the Democrat memo. Uh, the Democrat memo, uh, I want to read it, and I think that's where most members are. We just learned about it this morning, uh, but I think it should be read. I think it should be looked at in the same light. Uh, what's in it? How is it written? Is it clear and concise? Uh, and does it deserve to uh, uh, be uh, declassified or sent to the president for a proposal to be declassified? So I think the committee, in fact, I know the committee, will perform exactly the same rules and analysis as was used on this uh, brief four-page memo by the uh, by the majority well congressman our time is up with you i want to thank you for giving us the time today to talk about all of uh all of this and uh as carolyn found you a proper seat 
there in in the in the uh, the, the well of the house so that whenever like for instance the supreme court justices are on we'll see you well i don't want to sit too next to them sometimes they'll slump <laughs> over and fall asleep in your lap so you're better off you're, you're, you're better off being a little ways back, but uh, I look forward to being in the chamber tonight and listening uh, to the speech, and I really thank you for the opportunity to visit. Sure thing, Congressman. Thanks so much. We appreciate you, Congressman French Hill, and uh, uh, I'll be watching to just see if I catch a glimpse of him and Bruce Westerman and Cotton and Bozeman all sitting down there, Crawford, Womack. They'll all be there to hear what the president has to say. Our coverage starts at 7 o'clock. They got an hour pre and then the speech at eight. Then they'll uh, take it from there until 10 o'clock here on 96.5 FM, The Answer. Don't forget about uh, everything that you know about claiming your Social Security benefits. Benefits have been turned upside down. The government's good about that. If you want the new rules that uh, how you should go about claiming your benefits without losing tens of thousands of dollars in uh, lifetime benefits that you're losing, that are rightfully yours, then what you need to do is get the facts in the updated 2018 Guide to Social Security from David Lucas of the David Lucas Show. That happens here on Saturdays uh, at 10 a.m. and again at 3 p.m. It's a simple, easy-to-read guide packed full of up-to-date information for 2018 that can help you avoid losing lots and lots of money. To get your free 2018 Guide to Social Security, be one of the first 10 callers right now. 501-653-6690. That's 501-653-6690. If you're in need of an orthotic, a prosthetic, uh, then you need to turn to Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics, a family-owned business where it's not only doing the prosthetic and doing the orthotic, but making sure that it works with the patient so that they get the utmost mobility uh, and gets the utmost use from that orthotic and prosthetic. And that's how they work. I mean, that's just the way they roll over at Horton's, you know, Mike and Chris and Tanya and the uh, father who owns the business, Gary are going to take you into utmost uh, care. And they're going to make sure that uh, their, their uh, product works specifically and 100% for you to get where you're trying to go. If you're a lady, you've had breast surgery because you, um, you know, you found out you had breast cancer, you've lost your breast. They got uh, a whole team there that can help you out with prosthetics for you. Uh, if it's a foot problem, they've got orthotics that fit right into your shoes. If it's a, a leg or, or an arm, a hand prosthetics for that as well. They really know what they're doing. I mean, Gary, who is the, the patriarch of the organization worked with NANSA, NASA on the uh, articulating knees so you can build, you can bend a prosthetic like a regular leg. Their number 501-663-2908, 501-663-2908, and they're located at 5220 West 12th Street right here in Little Rock. All right, coming up in the next hour, got a couple of really great guests, 3 o'clock, uh, about 3.06. Megan Bartha be with us. You know her here on the show as Reagan Baby. She'll be joining us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. She's at the Capitol to cover the uh, State of the Union. We'll find out uh, what all is going on there. We'll find out what the temperature and the feelings are about the memo as well. At 3.35, Yali Nunez will be with us, uh, the RNC Director of Hispanic Media. 
and will be talking to us about the State of the Union Address and what the president will have to say tonight about immigration. So all that's coming up in your next hour right here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 96.5 FM, The Answer. We've got the power panel here. Paul's here. RD is here. And so is Elizabeth. And we'll all be back in just a few minutes after Fox. Listen up, veterans. If you're a senior wartime veteran or a surviving spouse of a wartime veteran, you may be entitled to an improved pension benefit from the VA. This benefit is designed to help pay for the cost of assisted living and in-home care. As we get older, we may need the assistance of others, and this VA benefit is designed to help pay for that. Call me. I'm Kimbrough Stevens. In my law firm, the Juris Law Group specializes in helping folks get this much-needed benefit, commonly referred to as aid and attendance. If you are married veteran you can receive as much as $25,000 per year and we offer a no risk consultation so call us today and get the benefits you've earned we have a proven track record and we know how to qualify veterans for this benefit call us at 501-400-8250 or look us up online at jurist law group j-u-r-i-s-t lawgroup.com call us at 501-400-8250 or google me kimbrough stevens and we look forward to hearing from you reagan baby reagan baby gotta say may and barth it's up there at the uh, the capitol getting ready for the state of the union address so megan where are you sitting are you sitting right behind the president uh, during the state of the <laughs> union well i'm gonna try to fight my way up there <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I know there's going to be plenty of seats available. I mean, we've got at least 10 Democrats that are boycotting, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg decided to fall asleep at her own house. Very good. We were talking to Congressman Hill just a moment ago, and I asked, are you going to be sitting behind the Supreme Court justices so you'll be on camera all the time? And he said he tries to stay away from them because they tend to lean over when they go to sleep. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And want him on his shoulder. So what's it like up there in Capitol Hill? You got to tell me. I, I know everybody's excited about the State of the Union address, but mm-hmm. there's got to be that for the Democrats, there's got to be this low cloud hanging over them dealing with this memo that evidently the president's saying they might release right after the State of the Union. I wish he would actually read it in the chamber floor and have that be the State <laughs> of the Union. <laughs> so good. <laughs> The State of the Union under Barack Obama was actually a, a spy state, wasn't mm. it? It was he was unmasking more people uh, than we ever knew about, and he was using the FISA court as his own uh, weapon uh, against his political enemies. Whereby even the FISA court came out and chastised uh, the uh, Obama administration on 97 different occasions. They had said that they had abused their authority in the administration. Uh, by using the FISA court at their whim. Uh, They were using the FISA court more so than any other president, I believe, in modern history. Uh, But not to fight terrorism. To fight fight his political enemies, namely Donald Trump as a candidate and everyone that surrounded the Trump administration. All right. So, Megan, the, uh, the, the Speaker of the House talked about this today. And I want to play what he had to say. I want you to listen, and you'll be able to hear it coming down the line to you. Here's Paul Ryan earlier today. 
I think you're going to hear the kind of speech most presidents hope they can give, wish they could give, which is, we're doing well. Why not ask the Republicans to wait and release their report at the same time as Democrats release theirs to, to, to some Look, kind of overcome? we're going to go through the process as the process is laid out, and, and it's ironic that the majority voted to actually give access to this memo while the minority voted to deny that access. So I think the irony is a little, little, little rich here these days. Casey. Mr. Speaker, based on what you've learned from this memo, do you believe that the FBI and the DOJ use their power let me make, in a partisan way? Yeah, let me make four points here. I think there are, you know, as we think about all of this, I actually wrote some of this down. First, there are legitimate questions about whether an American's civil liberties were violated by the FISA process. We are the legislative branch of government. It is our job to conduct oversight on behalf of the American people of the executive branch in case any powers were abused and civil liberties were abused by the executive branch. So there's a very legitimate issue here as to whether or not an American's civil liberties were violated in the, in the FISA process. That's point number one. Point number two. This is a completely separate matter from Bob Mueller's investigation. And his investigation should be allowed to take its course. Point number three. There may have been malfeasance by people at the FBI. And let me just, let me finish my points. There may have been malfeasance at the FBI by certain individuals. So it is our job in conducting transparent oversight of the, of the executive branch to get to the bottom of that. Sunshine is the best disinfectant. And so we, what we want is all of this information to come out so that transparency can reign supreme and accountability can occur. There's a fourth point I want to make, and that is the institution of the DOJ, of the FBI, is a very important institution for American life. It's a very important institution for keeping the rule of law intact. The men and women, the vast number of the men and women over at DOJ, over at FBI, are professionals doing their jobs and doing their jobs well. The people over in the, in the field office in Milwaukee, at the FBI office, are helping keeping heroin and opioids out of our schools. So we want the people of the FBI to know that we respect their job, we respect who they are and what they do, and all the more reason why we need to have transparency and accountability to hold people accountable if they violated the rules, if they uh, acted in a wrong, improper way. And that is what we are doing here. All right. So, Speaker of the House, pretty uh, sharp there, would you not agree? No, absolutely, and he's right. I mean, this is a question. It's not a bipartisan question, but you have to ask yourselves, why are the Democrats so hell-bent on hiding mm -hmm. uh, this information from the American public? What are they hiding by trying to hide this information? Uh, but we have to understand the only thing we really have to protect ourselves against an overreaching, uh, weaponized government is not only our Second Amendment, it's our Fourth Amendment. Uh, and so to deny people their Fourth Amendment rights, like they do on many college campuses, by the way, with Title IX, and that's a whole other story. Uh, however, our Fourth Amendment rights are, are sacrosanct, and we must protect those rights, specifically because, I mean, look, we saw that the IRS was weaponized under Barack Obama when they went after the Tea Party. We saw that the DOJ was weaponized uh, when they went after, remember, Gibson Guitars? Mm -hmm. uh, and then we had the Cash for Clunkers program, which really targeted uh, Republican fundraisers, donors, and Republican car-owned uh, dealerships. And so whatever the uh, Barack Obama administration could do to destroy his political enemies, he did through the branches of the government. Uh, and he did so surreptitiously, sometimes outwardly, but this specifically, using the FISA court, was surreptitious. We would have never, ever known 
about this dossier and who was involved in the dossier. We would never would have known about Andrew McCabe. We never would have known about Page and Strzok. We never would have known about the tarmac meeting between uh, Loretta Lynch and Bill Clinton if it wasn't for some rogue reporter out in Arizona. But we never would have known about all of this corruption and the politicization of our intelligence agencies if Hillary Clinton were elected president. Yeah, it would all and be the fact that, covered the fact up right now. Donald Right. It would have all been covered up. Strzok and Page would have felt like they saved the country from Donald Trump, and they would have continued uh, the weaponization. They would have continued the overreach. They would have continued the spying in order to just assassinate anyone associated with the Republican Party. Megan Megan Barth is our guest. Reagan Baby is what we all know her as. My power panel's here. R.D., one of the members, has a question for you. Go ahead, R.D., Hey, Megan, you know, what you were saying, I agree 100%. What we're seeing is no other symptoms of things that we've seen over and over again in the past. My experience with the Department of Justice and in Washington is most of the people there on the federal payroll are most worried about keeping their jobs and making sure they make it to retirement and sure. uh, and make sure that they, they get their uh, retirement started. So whenever you've got a party that's in place and in power, they want to tiptoe around and make sure they don't make the the party in power mad and and, uh, do whatever they say. But that being said, is there anything that can be done to stop this same process for happening again when we get the next president in to where the DOJ and the FBI is just not another political tool for the establishment? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that there's, number one, you know, I I actually was talking to Secretary Zinke last night, a great guy, and uh, he was telling me a story that he basically walked in and he said he wanted to fire these four people at the top of of the Department of Interior. And everyone kept telling him, no, you can't fire them. And he's like, the hell I can't. And he went and fired them. So, you know, you need, unfortunately, the intelligence agencies are rotten from the top down. Right. The FBI was turned into the Federal Bureau of Matters. Okay, remember, it was (laughs) Loretta Lynch who told Comey, don't refer to it as an investigation of Hillary Clinton, refer to it as a matter. Well, so now we've got the Federal Bureau of Matters. Okay, that's how corrupted our investigative agencies and intelligence agencies under James Clapper had become. So we need to start firing people. We need to start holding people accountable. We need to start uh, bringing up charges of sedition. Because sedition needs to become a word that we use nearly on a daily basis when we're talking about uh, the, the FISA court and how it was used with a phony Russian dossier by the FBI. The conspirators within the FBI, mainly at the top, I mean, Strzok wasn't some low-level uh, slouch at the FBI. He was director of intelligence. Yeah. And, and, and so w- what they were doing was conspiring to overthrow a duly elected president, which means they were conspiring to overthrow a government. That's called, that that is that's called a coup. Mm-hmm. That's I call it treason. And that's right. And it's also called treason, and it's also called sedition. If you look up sedition in the dictionary, one of the main words under sedition is resistance. Now, is that kind of coincidental mm, yeah. that the whole entire Democrat Party considers themselves the resistance? Mm-hmm. When was the last time, Megan, someone was tried for treason for trying to to uh, affect or overthrow a government? I mean, when was the last time that actually happened? In our country? You know, I don't know. I, I think that the last people that were executed for treason were the Rosenbergs. Yep. 
uh, and they were electrocuted. Uh, I, you know, personally, and this is probably a flagrant thing to say, but I really don't care. Uh, the reason that you execute traitors is so that traitors don't lurk around, you know, and, and try to uh, commit treason again. It's a, exactly. it's a very visual uh, consequence. Uh, that prevents perhaps further traitors from infiltrating our government. Uh, but until the rule of law is applied and not manipulated, like James Comey, he manipulated the espionage statute in order to exonerate Hillary Clinton. And I mean is that there is not, there is not one time intent appears in the espionage statute. You do not have to have intent. Uh, That's, you're you're exactly right. You're you're exactly right. right on that. I've got Paul here, one of my other uh, folks that is on my power panel. Paul, go ahead. Hey, Megan, this is Paul Calvert. I, I'm, I'm liking what you're, some of what you're having to say here. It's uh, one of my issues is that it's in so many cases, what I'm seeing is these government officials will do things that are illegal and criminal, in fact, and well, they might get fired. I want them punished. I want them prosecuted. Why are these people mm-hmm. not rotting in prison? And, and whereas the rest of us, if we committed crimes of that nature or, or something of that effect or outside in the in, in the private sector, we get arrested, we get prosecuted, we go to prison. Why are these people immune from that in so many cases? Well, because I think D.C. has been rotting in the swamp for much too long by where political favors are handed out like Pez dispense or candy. Uh, you know, it's your name that's going to get you exonerated, much like the Clintons. I mean, you want to talk about on the federal level. Right. And and why can't we not fire federal employees? Why did McCabe still have his job? Uh, Why is Rosenstein, uh, who we believe signed the FISA documents, uh, our assistant attorney general? I mean, these are all fair questions. But until we have an attorney general with a spine, and whether that's Jeff Sessions or somebody else, there needs to be somebody in the position of power that is able to uh, enforce the laws that are on the books, how the laws are written and not how they're interpreted. Well, Megan, tell me a little bit about how the feelings are up there in the Capitol about the uh, president's State of the Union address. I mean, that is the big deal tonight. It seems like to me he's got a lot of things uh, to tote from this first year from an economy that's been lit back on fire to uh, Mm -hmm. regulations that have been reduced and helped businesses uh, expand, uh, helping small businesses, uh, low black unemployment, low unemployment, uh, 17 year old low, as far as that concerns, a great Supreme court justice. I mean, we go, we can go on and on and on. I mean, as I played with uh, speaker Ryan a while back, uh, on my show, he said, this is a state of the union address. Any president would be standing and wanting to give. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because certainly the press isn't going to carry the president's water and and highlight all of the successes that he's had in just a year in office. I mean, they are going to try to be, you know, or they are a part of the resistance. So whenever they can sabotage their president by running with anonymous sources, et cetera, they will. Uh, When the Democrat talking points don't fit the facts, they simply just change the talking points, which changes the headlines. Uh, and so he's going to have to get up there and sing his praises and all that he's done. I mean, you're right. We have got his historic highs and lows as far as historic lows of unemployment uh, for every, nearly every demographic. Uh, our GDP is now you know, trucking along at about a 3% rate, which Barack Obama had never achieved in the eight years, even though he spent us in oblivion to try to get there. 
Um, and he's just going to have to trumpet his policies that have truly made America great again. However, he's also going to have to put a line in the sand and tell us exactly where he stands on illegal immigration. Mm -hmm. Because the trial balloon that he floated out last week, which I think was a perfect play, which gave us a tell, which a poker term, a tell from the Democrats, showed us their hands. They have no interest in protection. They have every interest in power. And so they see this, this block of illegal immigrants as their next voting block. Uh, they did nothing for dreamers, or as nightmares as we can call them. They did nothing for dreamers except give them temporary uh, citizenship. Uh, even when they had the power, they didn't do anything for mm -hmm. illegal immigration. Um, so we know whose side the Democrats are on, but we certainly need to know really where Donald Trump stands. And I do hope he stands along with Stephen Miller and takes a hard-line stance on his immigration, as he did on the campaign trail, because that's really what gave him the presidency. All right. We're just about out of time for you, uh, Megan. Uh, this is Reagan, baby. I, I got to ask you, I think you're going to be at CPAC, aren't you? Yeah, and my website's ReaganBabe.com. If you remember, uh, Reagan Baby was hijacked at last CPAC. Oh, so that's I right. So to ReaganBabe.com, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so no problem. I'm going to be there, so we'll expect Good. you to stop by and talk to us. And I think I'm going to take the whole Reagan Baby thing and – You've heard the song Santa Baby. I think I'm going to rewrite that for Reagan Good. Baby. What do you think? Reagan Baby. I love it. That'd All right. Well, I'll see it. if I can't have that ready for you at CPAC. You have a great evening. Enjoy yourself, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. That sounds great, Dave. Thanks, guys. Right. I appreciate the time. All right. Bye-bye now. Yeah. Megan Barth. That, that could She's be a, a great, great lady, by the way. That could be a fun spoof to do. Yeah. It'd be a fun thing to have with her. All right. So we'll get her on CPAC, Elizabeth. She's going to be there. Sounds we got to get pictures to of her so that people can see what she's a great. Lots of pictures. She is really a great person and a very astute person. And I'll have her tell the story about how the whole Reagan baby came thing came up. All right. We're going to get a break in. Let's do that. And then the power panel and I will be back. We'll have a little bit of time. Let's talk. Well, we won't. We're going to go into the bottom of the hour break uh, pretty quickly. But Yali Nunez will be up. And we just heard, uh, you know, Reagan baby talk about. Uh, the whole thing about immigration. Well, we're going to talk about that in the next half hour with the RNC director of Hispanic media. What are we expecting from the president during the state of the union about immigration? That's all coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick show. All right. Coming up after the break at the bottom of the hour, Yali Nunez will be with us. The Republican national committee director of Hispanic media talking about the president uh, and his state of the union and the uh, when he deals with immigration. Uh, let's also talk about what the... Do we have time to play that cut number three, um, Russ, about uh, what Ryan had to say? We do. This is what Ryan had to say about how the Dems tried uh, to block the rest of Congress from having access to the FISA abuse memo. Uh, why is it okay for Republicans in the House to release a Republican memo and not at the same time as a Democratic memo to give the American public a full picture, or at least both sides of the argument behind this underlying intelligence. Manu, what's okay is to follow the process as the process is laid out, and that's precisely what is happening. I would main, mind, remind you that the Democrats tried blocking the rest of the members of Congress from even having access to the memo that the majority wrote. Yesterday, the majority 
voted to provide access to the Democrats' memo. The process is this. It's an 11G process. You've all probably reported on it, which is a memo gets released to the broader members. They read it. Then you go and scrub to make sure that no sources and methods are being compromised, and then you go through the process of releasing it. The, the majority's memo already went through that process. That process is underway. This memo that we just got popped on us yesterday is now going through that process. And I would just tell you, unlike the Democrats on the Intelligence Committee who voted to deny access to this memo to the broader members, Republicans supported doing so. Devin and so now, yeah, Devin actually made the motion. So now it will go through that 11G process just like this other memo did. And let me just say, let me just say a few things. What's that? Yeah, as Kevin was mentioning, um, the chairman went to the FBI to, to, to go through the memo to make sure that we were protecting any sources and methods, and we are confident that we are. None of that work has been done on this new memo that no one has yet read, but the Republicans voted to allow the rest of the members to read it so that it can go through that process. All right, there you have it. The Republicans are doing it the same way for the Dems uh, as we did. Understand, this is kind of rich, to be honest. Because the Democrats did everything they could to try to block the uh, memo from the Republicans from coming out. And now that it it has come out, now they want everybody to just skirt around the issue and let the Democrat memo come out. We'll talk about this more a little later on in the show. All right, so as we've been talking all day long about it, we are going to... uh, be covering the state of the union address later this evening seven o'clock will be uh, our on air time uh fox news will have an hour of you know talking heads knocking it back and forth and what they expect and i thought you know so they got their talking heads why don't i do a show where we bring on the people that are in the know and let them talk so we've had you know uh our congressman on to talk about it. We've had uh, Reagan baby on the blogger on to talk with us. And now Jolly Nunez is going to drop, uh, drop in and talk to us. She is the uh, Republican national committee director of Hispanic media. And uh, I really feel lucky to have her on today. We're going to talk about immigration and what we're expecting from the, uh, the president this evening. And, and Jolly, thanks for giving us the time here on the Dave Ellswick show down in little rock and tell us what, what you're expecting from the president tonight. Thank you very much for having me. Um, What we all expect from the president is a unifying speech, especially on the issue of immigration. This is something that he has been discussing for a while now. We have the DACA issue that he has put on the table, the most generous proposition that any president has um, to solve not only the situation of this approximately 800,000 kids that have been under DACA, but of almost 1.8 million um, people that qualify under the deferred action that President Obama uh, took almost six years ago. So this is something that we are expecting to hear on the speech tonight. And we want the president to express what is the plan on immigration reform as well, because this is not just an issue that affects Hispanics, but that it affects all the Americans living in the United States. The, the president, with what he came out about DACA here just recently, seemed to me to be throwing the gauntlet down in front of the Democrats. Let us not let us all not forget that the Democrats had control of the, the Senate and the House at one time and could have taken care of this in a felt swoop if they'd wanted to, but they didn't. They they let uh, these DACA people just hang in the wind, so to speak, and have done it for years since. And it seems to me that 
the president now has thrown the momentum uh, to the Republican side. We've seen that the Democrats, they're, they just want to continue to play politics with this, uh, Jolly, and not really settle this issue. Yeah, the president is trying to accomplish what other presidents have failed at. And it's very important that we know that we've been holding the, on the Republican side the, and the president. He has whole meetings that we saw that famous uh, now uh, bipartisan meeting with senators from, from the Republican Party, senators from the Democrat Party, where he laid it on the table. He wants a solution for our broken immigration system, including DACA. And all that the Democrats have done so far is object to things, obstruct all the time. And this is not what is going to bring us to a solution. We need a bipartisan solution for for immigration. We need to fix um, our immigration system. It has been broken for decades now, and nothing has been done. This is the president that wants to get it done, that wants a solution for our country, and it has to go hand in hand with uh, national security, because there is no immigration system that can work without a proper national security. Uh, Julie, uh, Nunez, Jolly Nunez is our guest. She's the RNC director of Hispanic media. And, uh, Jolly, let me ask this question. I mean, a couple of other things that are in this uh, piece of legislation that the, uh, the president has been talking about, the wall is to be built and chain migration is to be broken. I think both of those are legitimate concerns because once we fix this, we don't want to have to come back and have this exact same discussion again in another 15 or 20 years, correct? Correct. And this is this is very, very important. This is a key issue. The president has mentioned it in several occasions. He wants to deal with DACA. He wants to deal with the uh, lottery visa. He wants to deal with chain migration. And I don't understand why people keep putting it on a negative um, perspective, the Democrats to be more specific, Um when we talk about shame migration, we all we want is nuclear reunification. But that nuclear reunification is not the cousin of a cousin of a cousin, right? We have to end that, and we have to establish a merit-based system that can help the economy to grow, that can push our nation forward. And for that is that the president wants to also accomplish national security within the four pillars that he's trying to establish on this new immigration reform. Well, Jolly, you, you speak with the Hispanic community since you're part of the director of the Hispanic media. You're out there talking with these folks. How are they responding to what the, uh, the president has uh, offered to the Democrats? Well, listen, Hispanics are concerned about the country when it comes to national security. And whoever does not think like that is mistaken. It's wrong. Because the thing is, we live in this country. We came to this nation with the hopes of the American dream. And the American dream is to live in a nation that is prosperous. That is what President Trump wants for this country. We want to see the nation succeed. We want as a community, as, as, as part of the Hispanic community, I can say that, we want to see the nation succeed. We want to see our economy grow because when the economy grows, the family unity grows. And that's, that's basically what the Hispanic community wants, a safe country, a country that is in represents the American dream. That's what they came here for. Do you, do you feel like a, a lot on the left that uh, the Republicans are, are racist when it comes to Hispanics? I'm sure that you don't. But have you had a chance to sit down and, and talk with 
uh, our senator from Arkansas, Cotton, and about how he uh, would like to break chain migration and and get to doing this uh, on a way where people have you know skills when they come to the United States. I think it's a huge misconception to believe that because we want uh, an, an immigration system based on merit, there is racism behind it. That is a huge um, misconception and a huge mistake. We want immigrants from all parts of the world. Nobody's saying bring immigrants from a certain part of the world so they can come into the United States and work. We want them from all parts of the world, but we want those immigrants to be people that are willing um, to work hard. They have the skills that they need because we we want to see this nation prosper beyond our dreams. This is the nation that we live in, that the next generations are going to live in. And we need immigrants, but we need them to come through a legal system and we need them to come to work hard to push forward for the nation that they live in. Johnny Nunez is our guest. He's the RNC director of Hispanic Media. Uh, Jolly, we've got our power panel here for my show today. R.D. is a member of that panel. He had a question for you. Go ahead, R.D. Hey, Jolly. Thank you for calling in. Hey, also, the other side of this, as far as the safety for our country, a lot of reasons come. people come from all over the world to the United States is because of the the freedom and prosperity. But we also have uh, safety so uh, our families can sleep in their homes at night and feel like that, that they're in a secure place. So that's one thing. You know, as a business owner, I look at this much like as a job application. If you find somebody that comes to work every day and honest and works hard and pays their taxes, you also usually find someone that is a good neighbor and a good part of society also. So I think the safety is also a big part of this. And we do appreciate your work to try to uh, spread the word, the misconceptions that the Democratic Party is trying to put out there. Definitely. Thank you so much. I think it's extremely important that we emphasize that the Republican Party is a party that stands for Hispanics, that stands for African-Americans, that stands for all the community of the United States. And what we want and the values and principles that we want to convey through our message are the values of principles that all Americans expect, which is respect for our nation, security for our homes. We want to live in a country that is secure. Listen, if you live in a community, right, you will like that community to have as much security as you can. You don't, it doesn't matter uh, uh, how good your neighbor is. You want to separate the property of your neighbor from your property. That's what we have fences, right? So yep. it's a matter of safety. It's just a matter of safety. And, and it's a huge misconception to uh, throw the way racism or the way the, the word um, discrimination behind something that is just for the faith of our children and of future generations. Jolly Nunez, our guest, RNC Director of Hispanic Media. Jolly, we thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you calling in and talking to us and keep up the good work. Thank you so much for having me. Mm, bye-bye now. All right. Jolly Nunez here on the Dave Ellswick Show from the uh, Republican National Committee. She's the director of Hispanic Media. So she's out there talking to her people all the time and says that, you know, the way that the media basically portrays all of this is not correct. But what a big surprise. <laughs> What you know? did we not know? Yeah, what did we not? <laughs> She's got her work cut out for trying yeah. to get Does the she? truth out, working against the uh, 
the media and all the lies that they're trying well, to spread. It's, it's definitely the case. And I, uh, I really like, uh, she gave us the time today to talk about it. She's very articulate. All right. Uh, so let's talk about my good friends over PI roofing, the roof leak detectives. They've now got PI roofing and home solutions. Joel Johnson is quite the businessman. He's astute. He's the smart guy. And he looked at, you know, when you get a leak in your roof, that's letting water into your house, just fixing the, the leak in the roof is not all that needs to be done. What needs to be done is to fix the damage that's occurred in your house and getting, uh, you know, contractors to do all the different things that need to be done, uh, can be a three ring circus. So what he's done is hired the people necessary, uh, to be with PI roofing that can come in and, and do all that other work as well. So when they fix your roof, then they'll find out what the problems are inside of your house. And you can just use PI roofing to have the interior painting done, the drywall repair done, looking for mold, making sure that there's none forming behind any pieces of the drywall, exterior painting if it's necessary, any carpentry work that might be done, replacing and uh, taking care of the insulation, the ventilation uh, that might, uh, problems you might have, uh, if you had hail and things of that nature, they can do it all for you. All you have to do is get a hold of PI Roofing and Home Solutions. Now, again, they're your roof leak detectives open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Find them on the web at piroofing.com. Well, uh, this story just breaking. A senior member of the Hamas terrorist organization has died. A Hamas spokesman said... Today, three weeks after he suffered what the terror organization claimed was an accidental self-inflicted gunshot <laughs> wound to the head. January 9th, Fazi Baroum, spokesman for the Gaza-based Islamic terror group, said that Ahmad Del Almi, one of the movement's most senior officials, was critically wounded when his personal firearm accidentally discharged said that the uh, gentleman 61 was, quote, inspecting his personal weapon in his home and uh, is now in critical condition. He's now passed away. The Hamas leader was rushed to a Gaza City hospital. Gaza spokesman Hazim Qasim reported that uh, he had succumbed to his wounds, his wounds, not wombs, his <laughs> wounds, dying in uh, Gaza City's Shafa Hospital, outlawed by the U.S. and 2003 for his position in Hamas. Uh, Almi was considered one of the Gaza's terror group's most important assets due to his extensive ties with the Iranian government. So, uh, hmm. good riddance. Thank you very much for uh, shooting yourself. Saved us a bullet. I like that. And, you know, gotta, gotta like, gotta like terrorists that are helping us out and taking care of themselves. I kind of like that. And, one other story for you, just a short story, because we don't have a lot of time before Fox. Coming up in the next hour, uh, we're going to talk more about this Doyle Webb, quote, controversy. Hopefully, uh, give, I'm going to give Elizabeth enough time that she can really shed some light on this, because there's a lot of misinformation out there, and I'd like her to talk about it. During a debate today over the Cleveland Indians' recent decision to drop their chief Wahoo logo, ESPN first take host Max Kellerman 
argued that the Notre Dame fighting Irish mascot is offensive as well. Kellerman said he is personally thanked every time he visits a reservation for his public opposition to Native American mascots and sports. Quote, when I go to Native American reservations around the country to call fights, I'm approached. I've received feathers in honor and letters saying thank you for your stance, he said. Based on that anecdotal evidence, he dismissed the Washington Post survey that found nine out of ten Native Americans are not offended by team names like the Redskins. Quote, do I believe that's a representative survey the way Native Americans actually feel about this? Kellerman insisted, no, I do not, because he is a one-man polling booth himself. <laughs> he, he continued to argue that ethnic mascots should be changed even if it is a minority of the group that is offended and said that rule also should apply to the University of Notre Dame, whose athletic uh, teams are known as the Fighting Irish. Quote, many Irish Americans are not offended, but many are. Who? I don't... Have you seen any marches? Have you seen any press conferences <laughs> by Irish people saying, get the, that little, uh, what, what's his name, uh, Dobie O'Gill off the sideline. We're so offended. Because I'm offended. I'm not of as it. hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Yeah, I mean, come on. And so I, I don't people have anything his, serious. His guest, Will Kane, listening to all of this, groaned and facepalmed <laughs> himself. Pernicious. Negative stereotypes of marginalized people that offend even some among them should be changed. It's not that hard, Kellerman concluded. <sighs> Unbelievable. Anyway. <laughs> Snowflake City. Yeah, he is. Big time. All right. I've yet to run into any person of Irish ancestry that thinks that, you know, a leprechaun on the sidelines at uh you know, the Notre Dame fighting Irish has any problem with the leprechaun. People need to get over <laughs> themselves. I'm sorry. What? Why do they care? If somebody wants to call because themselves the fighting Paul Calverts, some, why should I it's care? It's hurting should, somebody. Isn't that a compliment? I'm hurting their feelings. Your feelings. It's uh, how you, you feel. Know, it's how you feel. It's all about how you feel. All Only right. a little person of Irish descent would have <laughs> I mean, a problem. I mean, isn't, isn't it a A really little person of it, Irish I mean, descent. You know what I'm saying? I mean, isn't it a compliment to have someone name their sports team after you? I, that's what a lot of us say, but that's not what some other You know, minor, it is a decided minority. But because it's a minority, the minority always takes the place of the majority. I want to find the person who started all of this garb about uh, standing up for people because they thought those people needed to be stood up for. Yeah, taking other people's well, problems go, on their own. It goes quickly. along with the victim mentality set up. Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. All right, we come back up with more talking about Doyle Webb, talking about what? who else are we going to talk Roby Brock, talking about KATV. I Reporters. think they're in, they're in it uh, They got well. involved in it. And... 
everybody getting all upset before they ever even saw the video of what he really, really said. Release the video. Yeah, release the video. (laughs) Release the video. You know, let it out of the can that you got it in. We'll be back with more on the Dave Ellswick Show. Listen up, veterans. If you're a senior wartime veteran or a surviving spouse of a wartime veteran, you may be entitled to an improved pension benefit from the VA. This benefit is designed to help pay for the cost of assisted living and in-home care. As we get older, we may need the assistance of others, and this VA benefit is designed to help pay for that. Call me. I'm Kimbrough Stevens. In my law firm, the Juris Law Group specializes in helping folks get this much-needed benefit, commonly referred to as aid and attendance. If you are a married veteran, you can receive as much as $25,000 per year, and we offer a no-risk consultation. So call us today and get the benefit you've earned. We have a proven track record, and we know how to qualify veterans for this benefit. Call us at 501-400-8250 or look us up online at Jurist Law Group, J-U-R-I-S-T Law Group.com. Call us at 501-400-8250 or Google me, Kimbrough Stevens, and we look forward to hearing from you. Boy, four o'clock hour already. Unbelievable. Today's show has just moved along doing its deal. And uh, I'm happy with that. We've talked about the President's State of the Union address extensively today. And uh, we've spoken with Congressman Hill. We've talked with uh, Reagan Baby. We've talked with uh, Jolie Nunez from the RNC. She's the director of Hispanic Media. We've we've, uh, covered a lot of territory. We mentioned about this uh, story that has caused such a big brouhaha uh, dealing with... uh, uh, Doyle Webb and and uh, Roby Brock and I think KATV is involved in this and uh, and some others and uh, Jan Morgan blowing uh, fire at uh, uh, out over at uh, Webb Doyle Webb of the uh, RNC here in in Arkansas and Shane Stacks who I have a lot of respect for he ran for uh, you know Pulaski County Quorum Court. You know that he's been on my show a lot. Uh, we'll have him on for that. He'll be on Friday because he's part of the Geek Squad as well. We'll be talking about the Black Panther probably with all of the, the big reviews that have come out from the the uh, debut of it last night. But uh, Shane is going to join us because he did something that I always I always suggest to everybody. And that is when you read a story, and it, uh, it's talking about a piece of video or something, go and see not only that piece of video, but any video that you can get that's even around that piece of video so you get the full story so you don't make a fool of yourself on social media saying something that's absolutely wrong. And uh, you know what Shane did before he said anything? He saw a whole lot of people attacking Doyle Webb and and saying a lot of different things. And he went and he watched the, uh, the video of this, uh, I guess, political animals, uh, get together and said, Hey, guess what? Doyle didn't say what they said that he said. And, uh, and, and Shane, you, you learned the Dave Ellswick, uh, principle pretty good, buddy. I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, your hard work. No, I appreciate it. You there? You there, Shane? We yeah. got you. Okay, we got yeah, you now. Yeah. No, you all go. I mean, and I know you got the power panel there today, so it can get kind of crowded in there. I want to make sure that 
everybody gets a chance to talk. So, you know, I won't stay very long. So just run me off whenever you need to. Um, okay. We'll talk like to a, you later. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all right, bro. Uh, well, Go ahead. That, uh, yeah. It sounded like Elizabeth had done some research on this too. So I want to make sure that, you know, she can get her information out there, but you know, I saw the, well, wait, she, she did her research off of your research. <laughs> oh, okay. There well, you yeah, go. I, so I go. That, uh, yeah. That's why I did it. Um, cause I saw the thing. So, so the thing was supposedly Doyle Webb as the RPA chairman, the Republican party of Arkansas chairman supposedly said in the Northeast Arkansas political animals club luncheon on Friday that Asa Hutchinson would handily defeat Jan Morgan. Now, and that's, of course, Jan Morgan is the primary challenger to Asa Hutchinson in the in the gubernatorial primary this year. So, uh, which, you know, whether he believes that or not, you as, as, a, as a, uh, an official in the Republican Party, you can't say stuff like that during a primary. Right. Uh, and, and Doyle so, knows that. <laughs> yeah, strangely enough. So, uh, understandably, when a uh, Talk Politics article went out that is a subsidiary or a, a, a part of Talk Business, which is how Roby Brock got involved, when that went out and the lead on that said, Doyle Webb uh, says that Asa Hutchinson will handily defeat um, Jan Morgan, that's what the article actually led with, there was an uproar, as there really should have been if that had been factual. Uh, so... You know, over the weekend, I saw a lot of stuff going on around this. So today, because – and I'm going to say I, I'm a conservative way before I'm a Republican, and I am not real happy with the federal and state-level uh, GOP. But I do think it's very important to get the truth before you go off like a bottle rocket. And always. That, that's one of the, yeah, go ahead. Excuse me, always. Yeah, you know, and that's one of the things I've tried to learn you know, over the past few years being involved in politics is let's get to the truth of the matter, because the truth is more important, even if it doesn't, you know, even if we would rather somebody we don't like get beat up, right? And and for the record, I, I don't always agree with Doyle Webb, but I've met him several times, and, and I think he's a nice guy. So, you know, but politics aside, um, anyway, so I posted... And I tagged a lot of people, including – I think, Elizabeth, I didn't tag you, so I apologize. But I tagged a lot of people in the post, including Dave and the power panel and Roby and Doyle and a lot of other people, and said, do we have audio or video of this? And somebody said, well, as a matter of fact, there's a video over on the Political Animals page. So just look for Northeast Arkansas Political Animals and look for a live Facebook Live broadcast from Friday. And it's unedited. Since it was Facebook Live, you can edit it. And at 26 minutes in, the question is asked of Doyle. Uh, it's actually asked for Doyle and then the Democrat chairman for Arkansas is there, too, and they both get a chance to respond. And the question is, will Jan Morgan do any damage to Asa Hutchinson? And that's the question that's asked. However, the answer that's given by Doyle is about primaries in general. Mm-hmm. And what he said was, it won't do any damage. And people go look for Shane Stacks on Facebook, or maybe some other people have reached, you know, reposted this. I put the exact quotes in there. And what Doyle said was, it won't do any damage. Its primaries are good for the party. You know, they bring out the base, and we'll all come together after the primary and support whoever the nominee is. And that's all that was said. Now, uh, 
you know, so he gave an answer that was about primaries, where the questioner was like, is Jan Morgan going to be able to either hurt or defeat Asa, basically, was what, we at, what was asked. But that's not how it was answered. And, and that's fairly often in politics. You'll give an answer that doesn't necessarily address the question. Now, the, the reporter for Talk Business said, you know, he, he inferred from that that, Ace, that Doyle had said that Asa will just trounce Jan, and that's what he led with. Okay. He inferred yeah. that's right. what Doyle made, and then he quoted Doyle right. as saying it. That's the problem. Right. Well, with quotation and, and, yeah, marks, which means word for word. You know that, Shane. Any journalist that's been trained knows that. Mm-hmm. Well, I went and got, uh, like, I found the cache of the article. Because Google, if you if you search for anything in Google and you get a result, click on on the right-hand side of that result. There's a little arrow or whatever you can click, and you can get a cached version. So the furthest back I could find was a version on Friday that just had that in the lead, and I, and I did a screenshot and put that on Facebook. Now, I did, I did not see the quoted stuff that you all referring to, but I trust you both that it was there, okay, because I'm coming into this a little late. Now, Roby Brock, to his credit, as soon as it came up, and there's, and to both of their credits, Doyle and Roby both interacted with me on Facebook today as I was asking about this. And, you know, Roby gave a very long, hey, we messed up. I went and looked. You know, the reporter uh, inferred this or, or whatever. And I, he goes, I did not see that at all. So we immediately issued a correction. We made a mistake and we fixed it as soon as we could. And then, you know, so I, it seems to me like that Roby Brock and Talk Business as an entity, you know, took care of it as quickly as they could and as professionally as they could. Um, but, you know, I, I can't speak for that reporter. I don't know what that reporter's motives were. I don't know if he was generally confused or, or what, and I have not talked to the reporter. Okay. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Elizabeth, any questions for, uh, for Shane? Well, I, like I say, I got most of what I said earlier right off what you had said, Mr. Shane. I didn't have time to follow through on it after I saw it. Um, appreciate the link, and, and I would urge everyone to go to the Northeast. It's yeah. NEA, Political Animals, on Facebook, and watch that video. Yeah, Doyle, I, I do think this is a case where, and I can kind of understand where somebody just casually paying attention might have been confused, because, like I said, the original question was, you know, what's going to happen between Jan and Asa? But that reporter should have known better. I mean, you know, it's obvious that's not what Doyle was saying. I think part of what's bugging me about this, and I certainly appreciate you digging up and finding out and getting, you know, I appreciate that Roby Brock and Doyle Webb both responded and had to say the things they said. I'm really interested in the reporter. It seems to me that they were reporting what they wanted to hear. Right. Um, I, you know, a lot of training in journalism over the years if you're a political reporter, you surely understand the sensitivity right now surrounding this issue of Jan Morgan and right. Asa Hutchinson. So I find it very curious. Let's put it that way. I'm trying to be restrained and being fair sure. here. I find it very curious. Um, I'm not sure if I was Mr. Brock, if I would just be willing to use it as a teaching moment and just say, oh, we made a mistake. Right. I, uh, I, I'm uncomfortable with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, that I, you know, I. Uh, that's one one person I haven't talked to because you know, talk business as as an entity responded. Mm-hmm. Uh, that reporter's email is on the uh, 
the article, and, and you know, I did try to tag them in the Facebook post, but their name would not come up with a tag. So, uh, you know, basically, here's what you know. And, and, and Dave's talking about, you know, check your stuff out before you blow up. Yep. Which I've I've been, I've been, you know, a victim self-inflicted gunshot wounds in politics more than once. Like, just, <laughs> what? So, uh, but what set my, you know, uh, red flag going off is like, Doyle Webb has been a chairman mm-hmm. of the state Republican Party for, I think, longer than anybody else. If That's I correct. Right. That's right. He's, he, that would be extremely, he would have to be on some major Sudafed, you know, <laughs> to to say something like that and, and not immediately correct himself and either apologize or, or something, you know, or try to set it right uh, if he just did somehow have a slip of the tongue. So that's what set my detector off. I was like, this doesn't sound right. Well, and once um, again, on the reporter's part, because this topic right. of impartiality uh, within the Republican Party in terms of primaries has been a real touchy subject now for a couple of years. And if you're right. a political reporter and you're unaware of that fact, I would question whether you should be doing political reporting. Yeah, that, we'll just have – again, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm concerned. I'm like, well, how did they hear that? But since I haven't had a chance to talk to them, I just, mm-hmm. I just don't know. But it does sound – it's like, well, how, how did you get that out of that? Unless they just didn't go back and listen yeah. to the recording and wrote down their first impression and the, kept going. Uh, which, again, you know, you should double-check if you're going to, you know, attribute something like that to, to – a, if, if a Democrat – uh, party chairman had said that my same alert would go off. I'm like, that doesn't sound right. I mean, that's just not, you know, that, 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 I mean, that's a basic thing that you don't publicly voice support for one candidate over the other in a primary. Um, so anyway, but and I'm go, I'm going to run Dave. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, appreciate you. Power panel. Love you guys. I do. I, I do want to say that to everybody out there, whether you're Democrat, Republican, Tea Party, Libertarian, whatever, I, I I'm becoming increasingly convinced that that talking in terms of the truth, whether it makes what we like look good or not, is is incredibly important. We have to hold ourselves to that standard if 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 we if we want to be able to go to other people and say you're you're speaking in falsehood. Mm-hmm. I got gotcha. you. So yeah, I think that's important. All right, thanks, Dave. Y'all take care. Hey, Shane. I'll see you on Friday. All right, man. We'll geek out. All right, bye bye. Good now. job. Yeah, yeah, he'll be joining the Geek Squad. On uh, Friday at 4 o'clock. I'm so delighted that he took the time to go and find the video and put out the information. I mean, he did a great job. Not only did he do all that, he put it all out there. He tagged everybody he could find that was involved in it, trying to get the correct information out there. I really like that. We need more of that. Please, when you see something on social, go check it out. Yeah. I, I and, and, you know, we've always tried to hold that standard here on the show. That's why many times I play a whole Trump speech because I know the media goes in and pulls specific little areas out and say, he said this or that. But if you've been listening to the show, you know that they've taken it out of context. And in the case of this, we've got, we've got actual quotation marks around stuff. And that's, that throws me off too. Cause generally we, I would hope that I can at least believe um, the quotes when these people write news stories, I may not agree with their um, assessments as far as the um, the extrapolations, if you will, the the opinion pieces. But let me at least have some confidence that the quotations are at least mostly accurate. So, Elizabeth, you think that the uh, the writer 
said reading between listening between the lines this you know and i agree putting the quote marks was a mistake but what they're saying is you know this is what i heard and this that's what they should have said you know there's many ways you and i both know there's many ways to say that without putting direct quotation marks around a phrase um even at its best it's lazy writing yeah you know at its best it's lazy and it's shooting for an incinerary story one that just lights up the night well you know will get people's attention sure sells subscriptions and newspapers and all that doesn't it yes so and it also makes republicans look bad in most Mm -hmm. newspapers Mm -hmm. or are on the liberal side especially in the state of arkansas you think yeah (laughs) look at because what's the narrative out there right now here in arkansas the Republican Party is it is you know devouring itself. Oh yeah, we're in trouble. You know we're in trouble. But you know, you know Doyle is right. A uh, a primary does not destroy a party. Many times it brings a party together. Because I'll tell you what, I want to be real honest with you that most people, uh, I believe, you might say, well, you know, Ace is not my guy. However, there ain't no way. I want a Democrat to sitting in the governor's chair, so I'll vote for Asa because he doesn't hold to all of my thoughts, but at least he holds maybe to a few of my thoughts because Democrats don't hold to any of my thoughts. I can say that with complete honesty. I mean, yesterday was a perfect example, and I'll tell you what I mean by that when we return to the Dave Ellswick Show. 96.5 FM, the answer. So before we move on from this, because we have Fox News here in two minutes, let me go right down the line here and your thoughts on this story. We'll start with you, Elizabeth, your thoughts on it. I think I've had plenty to say so okay. far. I think the reporter is the quit. You know, I'd like to talk to the reporter a little bit about it to, to be a little more clear on it. Okay. RD? From the information that I saw in, in – uh, in the clip of the video that we were looking at there, um, it looks like that someone was, was jumping conclusions and try to put words in, in Doyle Webb's mouth. Uh, there's plenty of news out there without trying to create fake news. <laughs> so if, so I think, uh, we need to check our sources and, and, and watch jumping conclusions. Sometimes we jump conclusions too quickly without checking the facts. We can get in trouble. I do. I've done it before myself. All right, Paul. I think it's a very, very common problem that a lot of us do. And it's one of those things where um, we think we know what someone meant. And so instead of instead of actually saying, well, this is my opinion about what they actually meant, we say, this is what they said. This is what they believe. We say it in a matter of fact, in a matter of fact way as if it's, we're presenting the facts when reality is we're presenting our opinions and we're, and, and we're lying about the facts because we don't know the facts. We're just mm-hmm. – we're presenting our opinions, and, we, and we're not presenting them as opinions. And so it's a, it's a dishonesty that a lot of us engage in, and we should stop doing it. And, and I think it's, 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 a, it's a recklessness with the truth is what it is. All right. We're going to be back after Fox News. We'll, we've got other things to, uh, to talk about. There's other things that are out there. I mean, there, there are some things that, look, I'm looking at the different news feeds are out there, and the big things are actor Mark Stalling, uh, who was the glee actor that was found with child pornography has committed suicide and 
Well, that uh, Megan Kelly doesn't get to go to the Olympics. Oh, oh poor little girl. Wah, I'm so sorry for you. I'm going to cry for you. Wah, wah. With the money you're getting made, who cares? But anyway, <coughs> we'll come back and pick up the big stories that are happening out there right now, though. Fox News has the latest. Here we go. Back with you. Dave Helsick's show. Uh, Steve Scalise. Uh, Republican Congressman Steve Scalise. He was the man who was shot during the... Uh, baseball practice, uh, told the illegal immigrants to, quote, get in line, unquote, and wait their turn as Congress works to secure the southern border. He said it today on Fox and Friends. Quote, we always forget America has the most generous immigration laws already. Mm -hmm. We let a million people into our country legally. Get in line like everybody else, Scalise said, and I think that's a really good answer. You can stay here while you're doing it. And you've talked about that, uh, Elizabeth. You're saying let them have a, a green card that allows them to stay here in the United States legally, but you don't necessarily have to give them citizenship. Don't reward them for the illegality, okay? Yeah, no, I think the citizenship is a bad idea. Uh, well, there is a legal way. Like I said, I've got a friend in Cabot that's helped many people do the legal system. So whenever they're kicking somebody out, that's been here for 10 years and has, haven't went through the process, then uh, maybe they need to follow the law. Well, and that's part of my point. They've been here all these years. If right. they wanted to be legal when they, you know, after they're here, they could go get on there and try. Or they could go through the legal process, but they're not willing. Right. And, and, they just and, want and, something for nothing. Right. And I don't have such a big problem with giving them a legal status, but the citizenship where they can vote is another is another issue that I have a problem with. But... But the fact is, you know, if someone's lived here since they were one, they won't know how to function in Mexico. They won't know how to function in another country. I wouldn't know how to function in but Mexico. But that's not my I, problem. It I'm really sorry. isn't. I agree. But but the but the issue of giving them voting rights is another issue. I think that's kind of a it, it takes it to a different level. Follow it, the law. Not only does it reward them for the illegalities that they're doing, it also gives the Democrats exactly what they want, which is the voters. If you take the voting part out of that equation, I bet you money that the intensity on the you, side of the Democrats would you, really ramp down. You, you, might, you might be right. And, and I, I think we should take away welfare um, opportunities for them and, and wherever else. And, it, it, but, and that should be an automatic. The given is that illegals do not get welfare benefits, do not get public school, do not get whatnot. I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of a given. I think it's absurd that the federal government would make states provide public, free public education illegal immigrants that's how did that ever become a thing <laughs> how did it ever become a thing that we're even arguing about yeah, whether or not yeah. our laws should be followed <laughs> well, well i mean I, 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 oh, whether boy. or not you're going to enforce the law is one thing but, to, but for the federal government to say that well these people are not here legally but you got to give them free stuff what on your dime all right so let me uh change the uh the <laughs> uh, the, the topic and a lot of people are wondering why did mccabe Stepped down yesterday. Oh, I bet they are. <laughs> uh, the Justice Department's Inspector General has been investigating whether former FBI Director Andrew McCabe tried to delay an investigation into Hillary Clinton's emails until after the 2016 election. That's according to a new report. The Washington Post, just for everybody to know that it's a left-wing rag that is... Uh, reporting this reports that DOJ inspector general Michael Horowitz is looking into why 
McCabe appears to have waited three weeks to inspect the laptop owned by Anthony Weiner and his wife, Uma Aberdeen, a longtime Clinton aide. By the way, did you hear that they're getting back together? Whoa, what? Yeah, Uma Aberdeen stopped the divorce really? proceedings. Yeah. What is wrong with her? I saw that story the other day, and that, was, that one shocked me. Well, I'm sorry, but she'll, get her, she'll find out one day she, that's what a big mistake that is. In a surprise move, McCabe stepped down from his position as the FBI's number two yesterday. He'll remain on leave until March when he can retire with a full pension. McCabe's sudden decision prompted widespread speculation that he had been forced out by President Trump. Trump has uh, publicly criticized McCabe and other FBI officials over the past year. McCabe, who's 49, has also become a prime target for Republican lawmakers in the wake of a scandal involving politically biased text messages exchanged between FBI officials. Paige uh, is the mistress of Peter, is it Stork? Is that how he pronounce it? Strock. Strock. <laughs> uh, Paige, an FBI lawyer, worked under McCabe during the Clinton email investigation and Russia probe. In one August 15th exchange, Strock referred to a meeting that had taken place in McCabe's office where Trump's election chances were discussed, Strzok told Page that an, quote, insurance policy, unquote, needed to be taken out in the event of a Trump win. After McCabe stepped down, the New York Times reported that FBI Director Christopher Wray had forced McCabe out because of the findings by Horowitz. So interesting. The plot continues to thicken every day uh, I get up in the morning. I get up in the morning, and there's all kinds of stuff there. There's just new stuff about this stuff. You know, and this reminds I'm just telling you, and Elizabeth, I think it backed me up, reminds me of Watergate. Mm-hmm. Drip, drip, yeah. drip, drip. If Hillary Clinton would have got elected, we wouldn't be hearing about any That's of what this. Megan Barth you know, it would that, be business right. as usual. Guys, that keeps me up at night. I'm serious. It keeps me up when you seriously, seriously think where we would be if that woman had been elected. Yeah, what keeps me up at night is all the things that we don't know about. As much as we hear and all the things that we hear about, there are that much and more going on. And it's ongoing right now. What what else is being covered up? What other corruption is being covered up by by the secrecy in these government agencies that we don't know about? What else? I, I don't know what's been going on for the last 15, 20 years. And that's, that's still just not being uncovered. I mean, Congress doesn't have the time to go through all of this classified information. And I think that's one of the reasons why, um, when they do discover corruption, that has been covered up in the secret under the secrecy of top secret, um, status. They need to punish these people. Hey, if you don't punish them, there's no reason not to do it. If we say, okay, you get well, your retire, you get an early retirement, and you're kicked out, you get early retirement next in line, early well, retirement even next. Even if they lose their retirement and lose their job, how is that punishment? Yeah. How, See, this is, this how, is how the is thing I don't get. We just fire them, and we don't do anything to change the culture. Why, we don't do anything they, to change morality. We don't do anything to get back to the fundamentals of our country right. and, and pull together. I keep thinking of this phrase called consent of the governed. And what it means is that we as a people 
agreed together as, as opposed to, to follow our laws. Subjugation right. of the, and that's of the, the government. That's, the, that's what happens if you don't have consent of the government. You have subjugation. Sub- subjugation, that word. right. And, and so— what are we going to do? We can't have that. Right. Why, why aren't we hanging people? How are we going to get consent of the government back? Why aren't we hanging people for sedition and, um, and, and for violating human rights when we're talking about these people that are, that are abusing their power to hide their own corruption? Well, but who's going to be the power that takes care of it? Because every time we bump it up to who we think is going to be the one to take care of it, we find out that level is corrupt as well. I don't know. Okay. It's, it's, All the way up. I, I think All the way up. I think it's professional courtesy on the higher levels. Well, and and let's make this really clear once again. All this talk about the FBI, the DOJ, all this corruption, all these dirty dealings, I don't believe that it is the rank and file investigators. It is not the people, you know, with their feet on the street doing the work who are protecting this country, who joined those organizations to do the right thing. This is upper leaders. That's where it starts and that's where it sits. I agree with you, but a bunch of them know that's what's going on. That's probably true. A bunch true. of the people down the line know what's going but on. But they're afraid for their job. But they they are afraid yeah, they for can't their do job. anything when your well, boss says, you will do this. Or you lose your job. Or you I'm, lose your I'm, job. I'm sorry. You, I, that, as far as I'm concerned, if, you, if you're willing to, to, to hide the corruption because you're afraid of losing your job, that makes you corrupt. I've also heard that so many, and I have no way to verify this, you know, I've read a bunch of things. It says that the FBI agents, again, I mentioned this the other day, it's the Little Rock FBI agents who kept agitating to keep the Clinton uh, Foundation probe going, and that's why it's now being reinvestigated. I think those people keep agitating, because, and they're staying inside because they want to be able to blow this thing open from the inside. Right. Well, just look at Judge Maggio, and I keep bringing it up. <laughs> if I mean, there's a lot of people involved in bribing a judge and getting millions of dollars knocked off for $50,000. I brought that up yesterday. Mm-hmm. He did not do that on his own. Mm-mm. We don't have any more transparency in Arkansas than we do in Washington. Matter of fact, I think it's work, worse in Arkansas. Hey, we had uh, evidence come up missing on an FBI agent's computer <laughs> about one of the legislators. I mean, we have the It's not just only as that, bad in FBI Arkansas. Not agent has now admitted wiping the computer after he not took it to another once, company to wipe it he took it once, home and wiped twice. it again he did so, it twice and he just admitted it and they're like yeah and yeah so instead of firing yeah, offense i'm sorry from the corru- beginning corruption is just as bad in arkansas as it is in washington and we have less transparency i think in arkansas than we have in well, in yeah. dc right now with the establishment so uh we don't have any investigative journalists here in Arkansas well, who are willing exactly to go against right. the establishment. So the pendulum's not We've got the money in the to right do it. direction. All right. Let that me tell you about uh, claiming that Social Security benefits can be tough. It gets tougher all the time. Government's always changing the rules. Uh, you need to have the 2018 Guide to Social Security from David Lucas of the David Lucas Show. You hear that here on uh, 96.5 FM, The Answer, Saturdays, 10 a.m., 3 p.m. and the simple and easy to read uh, guide is packed full of up-to-date information for 2018 that's going to help you avoid losing tens of thousands of dollars in lifetime benefits that are rightfully yours. Now to get it, it's really easy to get a free 2018 guide to Social Security by being one of the first 10 callers to 501-653-6690. And number again, 501 501- Six five three sixty six 
90. Back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about Horton's Orthotics Prosthetics. They will help you out no matter what the problem is, whether it's a lost limb, whether it's a problem with a foot, maybe you've lost some toes because they had to be amputated because of uh, diabetes and you need an orthotic to correct uh, that so you can walk uh, correctly. Or maybe you're a woman and you've had to have breasts removed uh, because of breast surgery. All of those things uh, can be taken care of by the good folks at Hortons. They stand ready to help you reach your uh, area of uh, being able to have mobility and self-worth. Call them, 501-663-2908, or uh, you can visit their location at 5220 West 12th Street, Little Rock here in Arkansas. Family-owned company. The The uh, father started the business some 30 years ago. you got sons that are doing uh, the prosthetics at times, uh, working with uh, the rest of the staff. You have a daughter that's running the Bryant office. It's a, a great family business, and they care. Empathy for their customers is at the 10 level. That's uh, Horton's, 663 two nine zero eight coming up in the next hour bible guys will be here we're going to talk about how if you really want change what you have to have changes at the heart level and we're going to talk about the gospel and how the gospel can bring bring change we've got just a few moments here so, so they they're talking about how you actually have to mean it yeah well yeah <laughs> you, you do have to mean it. i'm i'm getting ready to uh teach our life group this uh kind of i call it semester uh at new life church in cabot and i'm teaching francis schaefer's the christian manifesto the first three chapters of that book and i forgot how good that book was i read it back in 81 when it first came out the uh is that you have you have to decide as a follower of christ that there's the truth of the world and then there's the truth of Scripture. Which one of those two are you going to follow? Because if you don't follow the truth of Scripture, your walk with Christ is going to be shaky at best. So well, anyway, I think a lot of times we want to kind of mix the two, and we end you up. You can't. A, I know. I know we can't. But the problem is we we end up doing that so much. Yeah. We we end up with with dog poop brownies. Yeah. Just read Galatians. Good. Just read Galatians chapter one. They changed what Paul had taught him and he wrote it. You can read Galatians chapter one and see how mixing it came up. I'm so aware of man's ability to be man. Well, the same thing I think of it often, you know, the Colossians, of course, you know, sex was such a big, big thing for those people that they started bringing it into the church. And Paul said, you know, you, you look at the, uh, you look at this, you say, well, if food is good for the stomach and the stomach is good for, you know, for food, then, uh, you know, all the more power to food. And that's what you've done now with uh, immorality, you know, and he says, turn away from that stuff because he went back to the scriptures. So anyway, once you add something to God's word, it's not God's word anymore. Like I if said, you add something to the gospel, you don't have the gospel anymore. Like I said, man being man, and <laughs> we all want to be man we know more our than we don't. And that, and that comes back to kind of like what we're talking about before is when we 
add our own things those mm-hmm. things and we're we're slandering God on some level when we start saying well God said this it appalls me to think people I think well I I get I <laughs> get a kick out of people who say well you know that stuff that's in the Bible about uh, demon possession and all that yeah. you know nah that really that was they they had you know uh, that was over exaggerated <laughs> yeah they they would have seizures and things like that let me just tell it was you epilepsy. Let, let me tell you something Christ is God. If it was just epilepsy, he would have said that he cleaned and he went in and he cured them of a disease. He didn't say that. He said, out of them demons. He threw demons out of people. All right. There's such a thing mm-hmm. as a demon. Yeah, that was for a time to to show that he had power over the devil and just, he had to do those things to confirm that he was God. I'm just saying, yeah. de- uh, demons still exist. They're fallen angels. They're still around. Mm-hmm. They're not gone. They're still here. We can let ourselves be controlled by those people, by by those things that are not of our physical world, but of the spiritual world. Right, but at that time it was a physical possession. To now, it's it's a it's a uh, spiritual possession. At that time, you know, there was people with demons, and he cast them out to show that God had power over the devil. But now there's two masters to serve. You just have to choose which one you're going to serve. Right. And so, some of us, I'm afraid, we, we we exhibit the 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 um the 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 fact that our master is the devil himself, or or, or evil and wickedness. And we well, he is. and we ha- we have and so many so many times we we have a tendency to to become depraved and and live it out in a very obvious way in our lives. Man, be, you know, being man being instead man. of understanding man is that we're a, fallen. That's right. That's the point. I know. We don't want to get what Whenever we deserve. Whenever we go with us. We'll get yeah. what we deserve. Over God, we'll be in we're trouble. lost. That's right. Whenever yeah. we go with what we think over God, we're so lost. Th- what I've been doing is starting to get your mind set for the next <laughs> hour. And the Bible guys are getting ready to come in and be part of the show. I think Billy's going to be here along with Steve Hess. Uh, wanted to congratulate Scott Stewart, the p- uh, pastor over at Agape. He will not be here today because... He is in Austin, Texas, and his daughter is having a grandchild. Oh, the baby today. So he's all excited. He's down there yeah, excited great. about that. Is, that, so is that going to be his first grandchild? No, his second. Second, okay. It's his second. And, and you know, this exciting. gives him an opportunity, and every grandchild <laughs> is exciting. I'm just telling you. I'm I'm up to number 12, okay? Are you, and wow. He's, and he's hanging out at my house right now, and little Eli and I just have a great time together. He is just special, and he's just just this week uh, on Sunday night. He started walking around the living room. That's great. And I for, <laughs> I forgot how exciting that was because I haven't had a really young one in the household for twenty five years. Early. He's walking yeah, early. Yeah, before a year old. He's, yeah. He's but here's his problem. He gets to walking. Now he wants to run. <laughs> Yay! And he's done a few. Face plants here. Face forward. Yeah. It's good that those teeth teeth don't have to stay in. Yeah, yeah right. Sometimes the sometimes those teeth. he's got a bunch of he got a bunch of teeth now. I'll sometimes those that. face plants end up knocking some teeth out, but yep. luckily they they have some new ones coming in about five or six years old. Put when he gets a little bigger, bring them by the salvage yard. We'll crush them cars or yeah. get him a fork. Yeah, that with Max, now. one of my other grandsons. Yeah, last, what was it last year before last? Yeah, because uh, John was in. Uh, Afghanistan last year, so that was year before last. He, I want to tell you what Max has not forgotten that. Mm-hmm. Bring him he back had out. A great, yeah, I'll bring him back. He may be here 
middle of February, I'm trying to get him uh, over here to granddad's house because my birthday is February 15th. Eli's is the 17th. Max's is the 18th. So I'm trying to get everybody together for a big cake. You know, I have some, I don't know, little girl jump out of it or something. I'm just (laughs) Oh, now. Anyway. (laughs) Guys, thanks for coming in. R.D., Paul, yes, sir. Elizabeth, thank you all for being here. Thanks for Bible having us. guys are next on the Dave Ellswick Show. Listen up, veterans. If you're a senior wartime veteran or a surviving spouse of a wartime veteran, you may be entitled to an improved pension benefit from the VA. This benefit is designed to help pay for the cost of assisted living and in-home care. As we get older, we may need the assistance of others, and this VA benefit is designed to help pay for that. Call me. I'm Kimbrough Stevens. In my law firm, the Juris Law Group specializes in helping folks get this much-needed benefit, commonly referred to as aid and attendance. If you are married veteran you can receive as much as $25,000 per year and we offer a no risk consultation so call us today and get the benefits you've earned we have a proven track record and we know how to qualify veterans for this benefit call us at 501-400-8250 or look us up online at jurist law group j-u-r-i-s-t lawgroup.com call us at 501-400-8250 or google me kimbro stevens and we look forward to hearing from you all right back with you on the dave ellswick show bible guys in we do this every tuesday uh scott stewart is not here today pastor of agape church over at 701 napa valley drive here in little rock he is in austin texas with his daughter who is having a grandchild i think he said that they were uh, inducing labor, were they not today? Uh, no, I don't think it was today. I don't think it was if it wasn't by, I can't remember the date, but she just went into motion. Oh, so but she yeah. is. Yep. I mean, did, has she had the baby? I haven't heard anything. Okay, so but I know that an inducement was coming up, and I, is what I remember him saying. I just don't remember the date. So this was kind of a surprise. All right, yeah, we expected him to be here today, but I got a, a late text from him saying, uh, Hey, brothers, I won't be there tomorrow. I'm going to get my, my grandchild. You know, when that happens, no problem. Yeah. I have no problem at all. I love my grandchildren. And I, I like, oh, is this his second? And it's no big deal. Every grandchild is a big deal. Like five or six for him now? Yeah. Is it five or six? I, I thought so. it was his second. Oh. No, five yeah. or six. Yeah, I don't know. He's got. He's trying to catch up. Yeah. <laughs> I got 12. Yeah. Well. Ooh. And Eli, man, he, my youngest one is so cool because, like, I haven't had a real young grandchild around the house in a long time. And, uh, he's not even one yet. He's just started walking Sunday, mm. which is very cool. And I just bought my, one of my all time favorite movies. I like to watch with my grandkids. I got the Blu-ray edition 50th anniversary copy of Mary Poppins. Oh, Kids love that movie. And I love that movie. And if you like good music, you're going to like that movie. And if you like Buena Vista colors, you're going to like that movie. The only movie better than that is Fantasia. That was a great movie. Yeah. You know, they took that off the market for a while. Did you know that? They Did took it. Know. They wouldn't show it in theaters back in the uh, late, small, middle 70s through about the middle 80s because so many kids, so many young people would do drugs <laughs> while watching it and yeah. then go see it. You know, because the colors were so bright and everything, mm-hmm. they, would, they would go do that and they'd be sitting there, wow, man. Get their you own know. Technicolor, huh? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Watching the dancing, uh, you know, Brooms, water water, yeah. water buckets and stuff. Uh, don't forget Sunday service over at Agape is at 10 a.m. 
Their website is aclr.org. And uh, why don't you send send a tweet out to Dr. Scott Stewart at Dr. Dr. Scott Stewart and say congratulations on another grandchild. Uh, Do that to him, and uh, he'd get a big kick out of that. You do that. So sitting in here, we got uh, Steve Hestis here, as as usual. He's normally here unless he's in Ohio. Yep. And uh, Billy is here as well. He's in the studio ready to take your questions. If you have a question today, 8230965. 8230965. Now, I didn't get into a long discussion about this, but uh, it was very obvious. RD does not hold to the same kind of belief system that I do about demons. I do believe demons still are active as today as mm-hmm. they were back in the times of Christ. And, uh, well, I think, uh, and I'm not saying RD does this, but I'm saying that a lot of people, what they say is, you know, we're so knowledgeable now we've got so much technology. Now we understand medical issues so well now that all those things that they had back in the time of Christ was nothing more than, you know, physical ailments that we know about today. It was somebody was having epilepsy or or something like that. And it's always been my contention. If that was the case, number one, when's the last time someone with epilepsy that the epilepsy spoke from Mm -hmm. the body Mm -hmm. of the person who had it. Right. All right. And, or was called, called on and came out. And went into a herd of pigs or something. Right. Or they were mentally ill, all of that. We became, we have become a society that we think we know it all now right. because we're Western. Yep. Sure. We want an answer. You know, we don't. It is our big sin. We want to, we want to see, we want to have an answer like that. And here's the key. The answer is what the scripture says. That we fight principalities that have nothing to do yeah. with the realm that we live in right now which leads us into what we want to talk about today. Yep. Well, there's two things that I, I would have to, for those who don't believe those things are real today, then I would cite um, Scott as one example and then another friend of mine named Marvin who who have personally shared stories, and Scott actually shared one of them on the air. Yes, he did. When he was in Newfoundland. So how this thing, that, or this person that he's never seen a day before in his life knew his name uh, is something that people would have to answer. Um, and then another one that, that my friend Marvin was telling me about, that he was down in, in Mexico and he was at a, a, a service where he was doing some ministering down there and he was getting ready to lay hands on this, this woman to uh, pray for her. And he just got a quickening by the spirit of God and said, do not touch her. So he just stepped wow. back and he wasn't sure. He's like, was that me? Was that spirit of God? So he started to step forward again and the same quickening came. And at, at that point, this woman opened her eyes, her eyes rolled up. She dropped down on the floor and they cast the spirit. So if we don't believe in those things, then that means, how I interpret is then what happened are we are did these men's experiences that they shared men who I trust and I value their opinions and know that they are trustworthy on men did did, he, did they just misunderstand mm-hmm. did they maybe take a little LSD before they went ministering and they just met you know this just manifested in their own mind of course not uh, they are real and most of the reason we don't experience and deal with that stuff here um, and I'll, I'll cite an, an old uh, almost traditional phrase that where the power of God and the manifestation of God is, uh, it subdues the environment. And so if you go to places where there is less and less 
of the word of God, the spirit of God, then those things manifest in a much mightier and greater way. So if you want to go to different places in South America or Haiti or Africa or different places in Southeast Asia or whatever, or in the, the example Scott gave was in Iceland, uh, you're going to find uh, that they still exist today. Yeah, and I will say, um, I'll, I'll tag on there because uh, it's not just in third world countries. It's not just in other places. Um, four, <clears throat> maybe five years ago now, we actually had someone who was um, drugged to church by some concerned friends, and uh, it became very obvious very quickly, uh, similar sorts of things, eyes rolling back in head, trying to climb up walls, um, speaking in a voice that was not her own, um, saying things that she should have had no knowledge of whatsoever. Um, and that was a, uh, that that's here, that's here in central Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, four or five years ago tops. So uh, those things are real. Um, it is the, it is the real battle. Uh, a lot of people, particularly those who are not believers, will talk about how we've made up God and how we've made up the spiritual world. And uh, the the truth is right the opposite. You know, God is not the product of my imagination. I am the product of God's imagination. And the spiritual world is, is actually the much more real world. This is not the real world. Right. The real world is the spiritual world. Yep. Paul said very clearly, I believe it's in Corinthians, that we fight against principalities and powers of the air. We are not fighting against. So, um, which is a great segue into what what do we look at and what are we um, what are we dealing with in our age? And we have to understand that there are a lot of things, not in everything. I'm not one of those guys that believe there's a, you know, a demon behind every corner or spirit behind every motive. <laughs> um, however, we do have to realize that, that we have an adversary. His, the, the, uh, Satan, Hasatan, in Hebrew, his name literally means adversary. So he is against everything and everybody that is for God. And so he is moving, and that means he moves within nations, within people, within leaders, within governments, Anywhere that he can get a foothold or a stronghold, and he doesn't show up uh, with a pitchfork and horns and tails and, and begins to just speak very clearly in his deep voice and, and, and get people to do things. The Bible says he shows up as an angel of light. Now, now wait a second. Now, typically in the movies, yeah, right. 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 like that. Right. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> Maybe we need to have a talk, Dave. Yeah, I, mean, I want to. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, and so— you know, one of the things that I was wanting to talk about today was that we, we had the State of the Union coming on tonight. Yep. And, and there's this there's this big focus. I mean, obviously, with your show and a lot of people that um, that are focusing on the political side of the things that are going on in this country. But one of the things I would like to encourage uh, the people out there, encourage the believers is really who I'm speaking to right now. And for those who don't believe, we'll address in a minute. But to the believers, we have to ask ourselves, what is our focus? You know, when Jesus was asked when he was a young man, uh, and he was at the temple, and, and Mary and Joseph asked him where he was been. He said, I was about my father's business. And he told us to be about the kingdom. And sometimes, you know, I spent 21 years in the military serving this country, defending the Constitution, and I am all about God and country. But ultimately, it comes down to the kingdom. And what are we doing for the kingdom? Uh, and it's we're fortunate that we have someone who's basically uh, has not allowed the shackles to be put on the church. We still have the freedom of speech uh, with our current leader. But it's not about the political side. It's about the kingdom of God and the gospel, which is really what we need to be about. We should be engaged in the political process, but if we can um, effectively change people, praying for people, reaching out to people, and getting unified in that cause, then the political will actually take care of itself. 
the things, more people who get converted, the better the land will be. That's exactly right. Because we won't we won't need to politic and have rallies for abortion because it will take care of itself because the people will stop doing it. How many millions and billions of dollars did we spend on the drug war? For the, for the 80s and 90s, we spent all of this money, but yet did it change the need? What you do is you get people delivered, which is what Jesus said he came to do, was to bind up the brokenhearted and release the captives. Now, not get in this mindset we're waiting that we got our get-out-of-hell ticket punched and we're waiting to just go to heaven, but we are to subdue and to um, pursue the kingdom now. And if we get to the place where we start getting people who are addicted to drugs and alcohol and pornography off of those things, we don't have to have laws. Uh, we don't have to uh, picket abortion clinics because the, the need and the demand will drop. Right. So if we focus our energy and our efforts on trying to win the kingdom for God and, and not get into uh, these long debates and arguments and divisions amongst denominations, but actually find a unified cause and, and find the things in which we agree and rally around that, and, and, and if we would have a decent conversation, we would find out that most of us agree. You know, you, one of the things you had brought up about with RD, we, there's probably a lot of things that we disagree about. But what we yep. do agree about is the moral and ethical commandments of God, yep. how everybody should treat one another, love one another, and love God. And so we can have theological differences about things, and those will get worked out in the kingdom when the Messiah comes back. But now we can be unified in the things that we do agree about. And that's what— um, not just a, a point about unity, but also I want everybody to question themselves. One of the last things that Jesus did is he washed the feet of his disciples. And he says, if you want to be great in the kingdom, then you serve. If you are attending a congregation and you are not actively involved, if you, even if you're a weekly attender, get involved. Go to the pastor and say, what can I do to serve? How can I, can I work in the youth ministry, the kids ministry? Can I cut the grass? Be someone who is serving in the kingdom. If you had a church that was 100% engaged and 100% involvement, all of the church, all of the body of Christ, not just 10% doing 80% of the work, but if you had 100% engaged in the idea of being a servant and serving one another and serving the community, the things that we are concerned about and the things that we talk about in a political arena would take care of themselves. I would just encourage everybody to make sure that they are doing what Jesus commanded us to do. Got to get a break in. Let's do that. Bible guys are here. Uh, we'd be interested to hear from you, 823-0965, 823-0965. What do you think about what just what Steve just said? I, I got something I'll throw out there just before we go to break, and that is if we were all more concerned about delivering the gospel to our friends than being afraid of telling them about it, we might see some major changes in our country. So Dave Ellswick show. We'll be back with more 96.5 FM, The Answer. Elizabeth left some M&Ms with almonds in them. <laughs> and I forgot about one thing about eating an M&M with almonds. Almonds are forever in your mouth. <laughs> and it sucks up all the spit and makes it hard to talk. And that's where I'm at right now. I'm sorry. What <laughs> that said, let's. You you had something you wanted to, to share uh, with us, uh, Steve. And, Billy, you just jump on in, buddy. Come on. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, no, well, it's kind of hard. You really have to prod Billy a little bit. He's normally a pretty quiet fella. Yeah. All right. I know better reserve. than that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's me. So. Well, I would use the example you asked about reaching. And uh, Pastor Scott gave a great example and illustration this past Sunday about 
using the example that Jesus gave us, that he just had his 12 disciples. And those are the ones he spent all of his time with and poured the most. And yes, he preached to the masses, but he really poured into these 12. And he used the model and that model that they took with them and grabbed a handful. And then those guys grabbed a handful. And if we would focus our energy that way, instead of maybe looking for the, the grandiose crusades or you know, tent revivals, which are good and some, and they all have their place in, in time. Right. But when you really focus your prayer and your energy on a single person or two people that you can really try and pour into, and then you just spend a solid year with those folks, just trying to, trying to get them to understand things and teach them and mentoring, then, then they have a foundation in which then you encourage that one to go out to another one or those two to go out to another one. And that, uh, that actually over a period of time will cause more people to come into the kingdom and they have more of a foundation uh, because they we found out and this through certain crusades and events when you have tens of thousands of people walking down and giving their life to the Lord, when they go back and do research on those, they found out that only 3% were still serving the Lord. And so they had an emotional experience, but for some reason, either the community or whatever the case was, they just didn't grab a hold and then if you will use the phrase that Jesus did and turn them into disciples. They, they were had, they hit they hit a little bit of soil, sprouted up, and then the yep. sun came out right. and they withered away. Yep. And the question is not whether or not you can get hundreds or even thousands of people to come down come down and make a one time commitment. The question is, can you change lives? That's right. Is their life changed? If if they come down and give a one time commitment and go home and they're continuing to live exactly like they have always lived you accomplished very little. Now, I know that there are those out there who would say, uh, you know, that's all you got to You got to say a little sinner's prayer and you're done forever. That's it. Um, I would challenge that notion. Um, but I would also say that even if that's true, even if you somehow punched your get out of hell free card, uh, what have you done for the rest of your life right. in this world? Um, you haven't changed it at all. And you're certainly not um, plowing new ground for the kingdom. You're, you're accomplishing nothing in this life. And God created us to be active and engaged in this life. And that would make you a very self-centered person because you're like, well, I got saved. Absolutely. Yeah, but there's a whole world of people that need to hear. I got mine. And we need to find out what our roles and what our purposes are in the kingdom. A lot of people misunderstand the book of Ephesians when it talks about the fivefold ministry. And it says a lot of people think that ministry is the fivefold. But the ministry, it says very clearly that that ministry is to the equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That means the ministry within the church is to equip the congregants to go out into the fields and bring in the harvest. Right. I mean, it's just it's an important thing. I think that Billy brings up a, a very good point, and, and that is, is holding up your hand on a Sunday morning and, and saying a prayer, does that prove anything? It starts. It's what gets. That's all. It's, yeah. It is the start. Yep. And I think the I think uh, Jesus gave us enough examples to say that for some people you get a a start, but nothing ever grows. Yep. Yeah. Obviously, it stops. Yep. That's the whole point of the parables of the sower. But he also used another parable about those who would grab the plow and, and then look back. Uh-huh. meaning they're still kind of hanging on to the things of the world. Yeah, they kind of like the idea. They do have a hold of it, but they haven't truly let go because their mind is still focusing. And we need to be 100% committed to the kingdom. And if we looked at what we're supposed to be doing for the kingdom as an active participation now and not just waiting for eternity, that's part of the reason why we have the problem we have in our country 
and it's not political. It's because we as the body of Christ have gotten a little lax and we haven't, we've lost our hunger. We've lost our fire and we're not just in a constant pursuit in a constant fire and seeking the things of God. I heard. Oh, go ahead, Billy. And here's the question. Messiah never touched anyone when that when he left, their life was not changed one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, if we're dealing with the the religious authorities, they were ticked off when he left. Uh, When we're dealing with someone who was in sin and he healed or whatever, when he walked away, they were a different person. That's right. The question becomes, in whose life are we doing that? Mm -hmm. Can I honestly say that I influence someone's life today, and when I walked away, their life was changed. If that is not happening ever in your life, okay, he's Messiah. He can do that every day if he wants. I don't necessarily have that influence in the world. But if it's never happening in my life, I'm probably failing my mission. Mm -hmm. Yep, I would agree. Or if people find out, if this has ever happened to you, and people find out that you're a Christian, that you're going to church, and they say, really? Yeah. That should bring you to your knees in tears. Yeah. That if they do not, not because you're walking around with a with a, a pin on your collar that says I'm a Christian and I love Jesus and you're shouting it everywhere you go, but how you live your life and how you carry yourself and are you speaking about those things in an environment where many places in the world they can't. There are people who risk their lives to share what we take for granted today. And we, we need to evaluate ourselves on what we've been given and whether or not we've just kind of taken it, set it on the shelf and are just waiting or are we helping to build the kingdom. All right, we got Fox News coming up. We'll get to that. Then we'll come back with the Bible guys. 8230965. We do have one question that we'll get to. 8230965. If you have a question, all you got to do is call that number and uh, tell uh, Zach that uh, you want to talk to the Bible guys and we'll get you all set up. And we're back. All right, Bible guys here. 8230965. 8230 six five uh dr scott stewart not here today he is in austin texas welcoming his newest grandchild so uh we'll cut him some slack and Just steve is here and he brought in uh, billy and they're uh they're picking up the slack today <laughs> all right so we have a question all right what do we got um this is from our faithful listener pixie and the question goes that she was told that by from a junior pastor from a church that she doesn't attend that the hebrew roots stuff is like a heresy his words uh because it talks about the covenant not being truly new and separate and not removing the old which it supersedes and he cited a few places where it is called new and then gives and then she's going to give some reverence and how he was referring to the book of hebrews okay so um this is where um where we will remain calm I'm uh, doing my best already. <laughs> I'm doing my best. Well, I'm just going to turn it over to you guys to talk back and forth. I mean, we have done so many weeks right. dealing on all of this that we need to get this guy listening to the show, evidently, yeah, and, and bring him on. Well, and there's also there's there's also two approaches to people that I've come to find out as I'm growing a wee bit older <clears throat> that uh, you can find out who you can talk to. And there are certain people who I, I say it this way. Their faith is actually in their denomination. Their faith yep. is not in God. Absolutely. And they will give you every single answer that their denomination teaches. The schools that their denomination have created will give you all of the theological points, and they will have answers for every single scripture, completely pulling them out of a context. And this example out of the book of Hebrews is the prime example. If you, go, you have to go back to fully understand these parts where it starts talking about 
the new covenant and that which has been replaced and doing away with the old, the whole context, all of it, is dealing with the priesthood. All the way beginning back in chapter 4, he starts dealing with the order of Melchizedek, the Melchizedek, as it's commonly said, and, and, and the whole priestly system. This system is what was being dealt with here. This is not dealing with the covenant as a whole. And we've talked about in the past that how covenants, when they come and a new one's cut, it doesn't supersede but builds upon. Right. And if that was the case, we would look and say, well, God made a covenant with Adam, and when Adam fell— that covenant was broken, or was God trying to renew that one and reestablish it? Then he made a covenant with Noah. Um, And then from Noah, we had Abraham. Does that mean Abraham's covenant now supersedes Noah? Well, we we still have a rainbow that says God keeps his covenant. Then Moses came along. Does that undo the Abrahamic covenant? No, it builds upon it. Abraham's covenant was about the land. Moses' law was about the law within that covenantal land. Then we have a covenant with David. That covenant is dealing with the king who would rule using the laws that God gave Moses to govern the people who would be in the land that God made a covenant with Abraham. And then then Yeshua comes along to be the ultimate fulfillment, if you will, and that does not mean fulfill as in complete like we read it in English. In the Hebrew, it means to bring it to its fullness and perfect of understanding, and so the covenant that he renewed, that he did not make new and different, was that he was the king, he was the priest, he was the lawgiver, he was the one that was all of these things, and he was the one that was going to be the king that used the rules that governed the people in the land. That's that's what this covenant is. It's not new that it does away with it. It's just like this. We all, I'll use this analogy. Uh, tomorrow night, everybody's really excited about this big super moon, right? Well, we have a new the moon. Blue moon. We have a we have a new moon every month. Yeah, every month. So does that mean that every month the the moon explodes and goes away and then God just forms a new moon or maybe it comes up again and again and again but we call it a new moon. The new covenant is that way. He took the covenant and renewed it in the better promises uh that the book of Hebrews is speaking about is the fact that the the blood and the sacrificial system is what's not relevant any longer, but because by his blood and by his stripes that our our sins are atoned for. That's the newness and the promises. And if we I think I said this last week. If we believe this, then we have a problem with Jesus' words when he said, I and the Father are one. And there's a big story I like to refer to in the book of Acts. Paul they thought this was going on with Paul back then, before <laughs> before the papers even hit print. Before all of these letters start getting sent all over the place, and they and he came to meet with the leaders, and they said, um, "We it, think you're preaching a false gospel." Right, that's exactly what they said. They said we heard, and they glorified the Lord all that Paul was doing, and he says, "Look how many myriads of the Jews who have believed, and they're zealous for the law." He did not say, "And look, they're no longer keeping the law." He said, "They're still zealous for the law." Absolutely. He says, but they have been informed about you that you teach all of the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, nor to walk according to their customs. That's what we teach Jesus came to do and Paul came to do. But Paul says, if if what we say Paul taught was true, this would have been the point in which he would have said, okay, guys, I need to rectify, I need to clarify something here, because I need to explain to you what grace is and how the law has been done away with. He right. did not say that. He said, okay, and they said, you need to go up to the temple. You need to pay their prices and go up and make the offerings that these guys who have 
made a vow have made. That's what he went and did, meaning he validated even the keeping of the Torah in his day. Absolutely. And so if all we had to do, if we wanted to make a case, when they, they, they even brought up a case against Paul in, later on in the book of Acts, saying this is what he was doing. And they brought false witnesses to say this is what mm-hmm. he's doing. It, all we got to do is go, well, well, don't bring the false witness. Just wait for the church, and they'll give you the New Testament and tell you what you need. Yeah. I mean, we have no idea how far gone we've been removed. I'm sorry, well, I'm getting and, a little worked up here. And Paul, at the end of his life, we get near the, the end of the book of Acts, and Paul, realizing that he's not going to make it out of this thing uh, alive, out of captivity alive, he testifies about himself. And what he says is, I have kept the law. That's right. And the traditions of the fathers. My entire life. He didn't say up until I met Jesus. That's not what he said. That's right. Now, as for, well, don't you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to tell um, I'm trying hard to be calm. Right. If you're stuck on stupid and you believe that God has changed his mind, then I've got some really bad news for you. Because if God could change his mind once, that's right. God can change his mind again. And your salvation is no more assured yep. than the people you're saying have been done away with. That's right. Period, plain and simple. Get unstuck from stupid. And that's biblical, by the way. Being making Stuck sure, that, on stupid? yeah, okay. yeah. It actually says, um, "Let those who desire to remain ignorant to remain ignorant." That's absolutely. actually a biblical verse. That is absolutely. And sometimes that's that's just the case. I just put that in but, good Arkansas for you. No, I like right. that. Okay, right. so you did a good job. But, All right, so hopefully this will help Pixie then. Yeah, I hope. And we, you know, this is one of those things that, uh, you know, as I come back to uh, when we, you know, and I know some of this information is just really. Um, for some people, it's new information. It is, and it's exploding their heads because really? they hear different things from many pulpits and seminaries and, and their pastors, and most of them, are, they, are, they are meant well, but we have had a system of theology that's been established for 17, 1800 years that has been in error, yeah. uh, and, and it's very hard to undo, just like it was unhard for, un, hard for Jesus to undo those traditions. Absolutely. Here, here's... What I want to make sure people are not hearing. You are not saying that Jesus is not the way to salvation. Absolutely not. Jesus is the That's only right. way That's right. okay. to salvation. You know, but he didn't do away with the law. Correct. He did not eliminate the standards. And, and what people would find out is if you go and say, do you keep the law? They say, absolutely not. And if you said to them, well, do you steal? And they go, well, absolutely not. Do you commit yeah. adultery? Well, absolutely not. Well, then you're keeping the law. Well, you know, he didn't. He didn't. Some of know. it, maybe. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. And we would find out, like, if you go and make apologies to somebody or make restitution to somebody, you're keeping the law. Absolutely. But the biggest part that people have is when you start talking about the Sabbath and the Feast of the Lord. And, and well, and all, food. Well, yeah, and food. <laughs> yeah. But what, we, if, what I always tell people about this, that... Okay, when God delivered his people from Egypt, he said, I have delivered you from Egypt, the house of bondage. What do we say the law of God is? We say it's bondage. So why would God take his people from the house of bondage and put them in bondage? He didn't. He actually put them in freedom. He gave them freedom. And all of these things and all of these feasts and the Sabbaths and the festivals are to be a remembrance of what the Messiah was going to do when he came. And so when he came... We remember those things from what he did, not eliminate them so we forget, so we can forget about the promises of God. I don't know why this is so hard for folks and why they have a hard time with taking a day of rest and taking the Shabbat and keeping it or yeah. remembering the Passover and remembering what the Passover lamb did for us in the context. 
as we've jokingly said during the time of Easter, why would you be messing with bunnies and eggs? Why is this so hard? Why? Because there's a spirit of religion behind it. All well, right. we got to take a break. Billy, you're up next. All right. We'll bring you right back. Got it. The Dave Ellswick Show. Bible guys are here. 823-0965-965 FM. The answer. All right. Back with you. Dave Ellswick Show. Last segment. Bible guys are here. We got about 11 minutes left. You got a question. Don't go another week without asking. 823-0965-823-0965. Remember, Bibleguys at Salem, S-A-L-E-M-L-R.com. You send your uh, emails there, and uh, I'll see them, and I'll print out the question, and I'll get it to the guys, and they'll uh, then answer. Coming up at uh, 7 o'clock, we'll go to Fox News, cover the uh, pregame, so to speak, for this the uh, State of the Union, and then at 8 o'clock, the president should be entering the chamber and giving his speech. Uh, we'll carry the, the Democrats' response and then a little bit more talk with the talking heads so they can talk about uh, the, you know, what you just heard and that they needed to talk to you so that you would understand what you just heard. That's right. I always get a kick out of that. Uh, you know, I, I like things like when you're looking at C-SPAN and then they come on and they say, give us a call and tell us what you thought of the speech. That's my idea right. of better after coverage, but um, I'm not going to hang around till ten o'clock tonight. Just so you know, we're going to we're going to cover it, let them do it, and then move on. You got a caller come uh, calling in. We'll take their question in just a second. Want to remind everybody when we talk about the New Testament and we ta- and and talking about you know the letters that Paul wrote and John wrote and Peter wrote and, and whatnot. When they're quoting scripture, they're quoting the Old Testament. Absolutely. It's the Old Testament. They were proving, you know, Christ's divinity and Christ's lordship through what the Old Testament said. You don't need the New Testament to prove that Jesus is who he said he was. Yep. And if you can't tell the story of the gospel by just using the old, then you need to reevaluate how you study. Absolutely. All right, Zach, who we got here on the line? All right, Kurt is going to join us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, Kurt, how are you? Your question for the Bible, guys. I'm doing good. Okay, I'm listening to what you guys say, and I, you know, I've been involved with church that's uh, involved with the Jewish roots of Christianity, and all that's really interesting, and it's important and stuff. And But what kind of confuses me a little is where, and I don't know where it is, but Paul says, don't let anybody judge you by a Sabbath or a holiday, or a moon, and some people think some days are special, and some days people think they're all the people the same. Do that? Do you know what I'm talking about when I say that? Yeah, I believe it was out of the Book of Romans. Okay, so what's, when I read that, it's kind of, I, I kind of understood that as Paul saying, you know, every day is the same. Right. And so, you know, can you explain a little bit about what that means or what I'm thinking? Because, you know, there's one thing where it says, uh, you know, Paul said, again, God created or set us, again, God set aside a certain day, calling it today. Well, to me, that was, you know, they had the Sabbath where they were supposed to dedicate only to God. Well, now we got every day that we could dedicate our whole life to God. Does that make sense? It does. Um, 
So I'll shut up and I'll. I really like you guys, and I'll just listen. To okay, you just listen in. A lot, man. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your call. That's a, it's a great question. Thanks for calling in, Kurt. Uh, this this one is the context um, is. And this is where people get confused on what Paul is writing about. Most of the time what he's dealing with, and this is one thing I hope people never get from us. We talk about the Sabbath and the Feast of the Lords from that of joy, not manners of salvation. But there was a group of people who were part of the converts who said that the Gentile converts had to do this in order to be saved. This is the Judaizers, correct? Right. That's, okay. And and so these are usually the people that he's dealing with. Um and this this is why sometimes it seems like he's speaking very negatively against the law, but he's going, look, you've misunderstood the point. Quit trying to use that as a manner of salvation. Uh, we and we all get saved the same way. And then he comes around and, and talks about being not redeemed from the the curse of the law of Moses, but from the curse of the law and sin and death. And so when he's dealing with that, this was dealing with some of the the other days that were, um holy to them not necessarily because the context of this is not talking about sabbath he's talking about people who were esteeming other days not the sabbath itself and there were other days that were considered holy if you will but not like a sabbatical holy well i think Uh, we're dealing with some fasting rules in here as well right um when we're talking about esteeming one day over the other whether you i think fast on mondays or fast on wednesdays and there was because there was a huge debate uh, in in at that time about which was the appropriate day to be fasting on. So, And in other parts in that part of Romans 14, he was also dealing with people who were e- eating certain meats and drinking certain wines. Uh, and right. he was trying to tell them that you need to be cautious with that. But, it, hey, if you have a new brother and you eating certain meats, and he's not talking about kosher or unkosher meats, he's talking about how they were dedicated to false idols and that. Right. He says, and these things could cause a brother to stumble and so this is the kind of the same thing, and that's what, what Billy had brought up. This wasn't The context of this was not about the Sabbath and the Feast of the Lord, because later on in the book of Colossians, he actually says, let no one judge you in regards to those things when keeping them. Uh, so he wasn't speaking disparagingly against it, but that was the context of Romans 14 when he's dealing, uh, when he's answering that question, or those other days. Right. That's what that was I just can, I can look at it this way. I'm going to stumble. I'm going to fall. I'm going to scrape my knee. I'm going to break my nose. Mm-hmm. Who knows what else I might do? But I want to make it abundantly clear. We are not people that say that these have to be done in order to be saved. That's, There's what, only that's, one what, that's just where I'm getting to. Oh, okay, sorry. But, you know, <laughs> praise be to God that I can do those things. That's right. But what Christ did on the cross saves me from all of that. Right. From falling short. Absolutely. Yeah. I so mean, I'm uh, working on a sermon right now, and I'll give you the punchline for the sermon. Uh-oh. And it kind of... It kind of sums all of this up. Um, the book of Revelations describes what we are supposed to be becoming, and that is kings and priests. Mm-hmm. And we have to ask ourselves, what is the role of a king and what is the role of a priest? Because that's what you're supposed to be becoming. A king is the chief law enforcement officer in the land, and the priest is the chief keeper of the culture. So the question becomes, if you've rejected the law and you've rejected the culture, how are you going to be a king or a priest? Mm-hmm. You don't know, as by and large, the, the, the church world today knows nothing about the culture that exists in God's kingdom because we don't understand the culture he established because we've gone, ah, it's done away with. We don't have to do those things anymore. We don't have to wear a seat seat. We don't have to eat clean. We don't have to do these things. And therefore, we've completely rejected not only the law, but the culture that goes along with it. So 
you are being called to be something that you don't even know how to be because you've ignored, by and large, the first two-thirds of the book. And that's... And when you reject the foundation, it which almost... Which is the Old Testament. That's what they're talking about. Absolutely. Right? And it almost makes it impossible to understand the New Testament. And when you read and you, you as soon as you approach that all of these things are been done away with or spiritualized, as I have done in the past, I always take an extreme view. And one of those is the reference, and he, I think he may have been referring to this, and that was in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, where it says there remains a rest for God. And, and the writer of the book of Hebrews here is using the picture of the Sabbath, that the, just like you rest on the Sabbath, that when Christ came, there remains a rest for his people. And that rest that you do on the Shabbat is a picture of the rest from sin that you can have in the Messiah. Just because that rest, and you can't have a, a literal Shabbat every week, a Shabbat from sin, it doesn't do away with or negate the literal. And if we if we take that, then we need to use that in every manner of interpretation. Because if we believe that has been spiritualized, then does that mean idolatry has been spiritualized, adultery has been spiritualized, theft has been spiritualized? We can't spiritualize one and then not use that same hermeneutical or interpretive process in all. Well, right. in some churches, they have been. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. I'm just a little yep. shot from it, me. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And anyway, it, hey, next week when you guys come back on, uh, and Scott hopefully will be here, I want to talk a little bit about uh, it talks in Revelations where, as you said, kings, kings right, and priests, and priests, mm-hmm. kings and priests. Where, you know, if you if you if you know anything about string theory mm-hmm. and about all the dimensions that supposedly act are out there, does that mean we're going to be kings and priests in other dimensions? Oh. Uh, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's, there's good a things, theology out there for that. The yeah, denomination good, that pushes that. Good things to get into. We'll talk about that. I know it sounded weird, but what you listen to the Dave Ellswick show, what do you expect? That's right. Steve, thanks, Billy. <laughs> thanks, thanks for coming in. Yes, sir. All right, 96.5 FM, The Answer. See you again tomorrow, 2 o'clock. The Dave Ellswick Show podcast is sponsored by the Juris Law Group. We provide estate planning for all ages, and we specialize in helping seniors get VA and Medicaid benefits for in-home, assisted living, and nursing home care. For a no-risk consultation, call us at 501-400-8250 or find us on the web at juristlawgroup.com. That's J-U-R-I-S-T lawgroup.com.